come on a journey with the cinephile. Okay, welcome everybody to episode 9 of Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast. As always, your tour guide, David Garrett Jr. And this is going to be a kind of first ever special episode. Um, I was kind of hoping that everything would have fallen in place where this could have been episode 10. But since it's going to be the first episode of the new year, what I'm going to go ahead and do is actually recap all 98 to 2019 horror films that I saw. What I'll do, though, is early on, I'm going to be very brief where I'm just going to give my general thoughts on it. And once I get up to the top 10, I'll probably do something a little more special there. And I might even do something a little bit more special for the top 25 as well. I don't want this episode to run too long as I don't have a whole lot to say about a lot of these. And some of them I'm going to be a little bit foggy on, especially ones that I saw very early in the year. But I still wanted to recap all the films that I saw. So what I'm going to do is a kind of rundown. And that first one will be Jacob's Ladder. The synopsis is... After his brother returned home from war, Jacob Singer, who in this version is Michael Ely, struggles to maintain his sanity. Plagued by hallucinations and flashbacks, Jacob rapidly falls apart as he can no longer tell what is real. Now, this is the worst horror movie that I saw this year. I really like the original one, and I think it's one of the best from the 90s. And to be honest, I came to this with low expectations, and this actually lived up to them if I'm gonna be you know, perfectly honest about it. I tried to look at this film as its own, and I think it does enough of that to separate itself. I like the updating of the story to more modern times, as well as the changes made to Jacob. The problem is that I didn't connect with any of the characters. The film kind of meanders and just never really did anything to hook me. It is really a shame because the social commentary is very relevant to both the original time period and our current world. I just think they were focused on the wrong things here, as it becomes a major problem in the end, but we don't spend enough time with what is causing these things. I thought the effects in the film were fine, the soundtrack didn't stand out to me, but it never really hurt. It also has a low running time, it's just boring, and the positives that I got of it are very few, and this is a below average film, and my rating on that one was a 3.5. Alright, the next film that I'm going to cover is The Shed. Now, I actually reviewed this on episode 3 during my Italian Horror Month 3 episode. So if you wanted to hear more about it, that's, um, I can refer you back to that. But the synopsis here is Stan, who is J.J. Warren, lives with his abusive grandfather and tries to protect his best friend from bullies. Things take an even darker turn for him when he discovers there's a murderous creature living in the tool shed behind their house. This is another one that has some good aspects. I just think they focused on the wrong things again. 
I think there's a good setup with this. Just so you know, it's a vampire that is that bites a hunter, and then him trying to avoid sunlight hides in this tool shed um, as he was stuck in the woods. It just takes too long to go from that opening scene to getting to some of the things that really matter and really kind of you know pulled my attention. And I don't care enough about the characters to worry about them as what they're dealing with. And another time I was just ultimately bored. The effects are a saving grace here, as I thought they were pretty solid to be. The soundtrack didn't really stand out here, but it doesn't hurt the movie. I would just say this is below average. I can't really recommend it outside of seeing how cool the creatures look and the effects in general. And I will say the climax of it is interesting. It's just getting there is a slog. So my rating for The Shed was a 4 out of 10. Alright, and then for me, number 96 was Black Christmas. I did a featured review on this for episode 7, so if you want more of my in-depth thoughts, I will have you go back to check that out. But here the synopsis is, a group of female students are stalked by a stranger during their Christmas break. That is until the young sorority pledges discover that the killer is part of an underground college conspiracy. I don't really want to get too much into this uh, again because I came in with an open mind and this is not a good film. It is a shame though because I think there's some really good ideas and concepts. The writing just hurts. It's too on the nose, the characters are just written poorly, and the dialogue at times is cringeworthy. The runtime and pacing are fine. I think there's some good acting and the effects we get are good. There's just some also really bad acting and I just wanted more in the effects department. The soundtrack I didn't really notice, but I dug the song that they sing to call out the frat, and it does help with the Christmas vibe. I think this is catered towards 13-year-old girls, which is fine. I just think there's a better way to present it for them, as well as fans in general. This is below average, and it's a shame because it could have been so much better. And if they just would have, you know, tweaked the story a bit, I think it would have been much stronger because the message you're trying to get across is a good one. It's just when you ham fist it down people's throats, it doesn't work. And my rating here is a 4 out of 10. Alright, and my 95th movie of this year is Darlin. This is a direct sequel to The Woman as well as The Offspring. And to be honest, I saw the trailer for this one, didn't realizing that it was the third installment, so I actually checked out both of those other two films before seeing this one. And I will say, I'm a big fan of The Woman, and so I found this one to be slightly disappointing. Um, this did do some things that I really liked, and that let me down that it wasn't better overall. Pollyanna McIntosh did a solid job in keeping the feel of Jack Ketchum's novels that this year is based off of and presenting the darkness of humanity um she also reprises her role as the woman in this one it has one of my favorite concepts to see explored in the perversion of religion i also like that darlin who in this movie is played by lauren canny i like that she doesn't fully understand what is happening to her and even in this age of knowledge she's you know stunted because of how she was raised the acting really does bring this to life, but the film is just too long. It ends up hurting the pacing for me. The effects we got in the film are good, but I just wanted to see a little bit more from that. The soundtrack didn't really fit for the most part, and I would still recommend giving this a viewing if you like the other two films in this trilogy. This one just had the potential that it didn't necessarily live up to me, 
and I have to say it is slightly below average as much as it pains me to say as I came in with a 4.5 out of 10. And for my 94th movie is going to be the first one that I got to catch at the Nightmare Film Festival here in Columbus, Ohio, and that movie is Lake Michigan Monster. Uh, the synopsis here is an eccentric ship captain and a crew of specialists plot revenge against the most mysterious creature of the deep, the Lake Michigan Monster. Uh, this, I didn't come in expecting a serious film, only because I had heard some of the people talking the night before. And it doesn't necessarily have the most coherent storyline either. It is one you just have to turn your brains off and just kind of laugh at. It is a Lovecraftian-inspired revenge tale that gets more and more outrageous as it goes. The acting is over the top, and it doesn't outstay its welcome, and I think the ending works. The movie is good, but it's a little bit too heavy on the effects. The soundtrack didn't really stand out, but it fit for what was needed. Overall, I'd say this was a fun film that you should check out with your friends and have drinks. I wasn't overly big on it, aside from the laughs, and I will also warn you that it's filmed in black and white, but is, you know, a modern film. And I would actually say this is the first one on this list that was slightly above average for me, as I came in at a 5.5 out of 10. Okay, and for my 93rd film of the year is Happy Death Day to You. The synopsis is Tree Glebman, who is Jessica Roth discovers that dying over and over was surprisingly easier than the dangers that lie ahead. I will say, I didn't like or have as much fun with this one as I did the original. That's not to say that I hated it. I have a love-hate relationship with this sequel in that I think it lessens the emotional impact of the first film, but I think exploring the deeper scientific possibilities of this was fine. This film does do some interesting things with the alternate universe theory. I do think the pacing was a bit off by going more comedy sci-fi than the original. The acting was also fine, and the effects I did want a little bit more from. I do think the soundtrack works for what was needed. Not really one that stood out to me, though. I think that this is slightly above average and would recommend it for the younger fans um, of the genre, because that's definitely who it's catered towards. The diehards are probably going to like this even less than the original, which is where I fell for myself as I gave this a 6 out of 10. Alright, and next is actually the last film that I watched for the year, which is Tone Deaf. The synopsis here is a woman goes to the countryside to spend a quiet weekend after losing her job and having her last complicated relationship implode. She rents a country house from an old-fashioned widower who struggles to hide his psychopathic tendencies. Now, I'm actually going to have a, have a mini-review on this on the next episode that will come out next week. But just a brief little overview here is this one does do some really good things. And I like what they're going for. I like the idea of dementia setting into the mind of this hard-working man. And he's losing grips with reality. The problems really do come from this being a comedy that is trying to have social commentary. I guess that technically makes this a satire, but I think it could have been worked out a little bit better to ground it in reality. Mixed aspects there with the tension that comes from it. It's a shame though because the acting is really good with you know Robert Patrick. I'm a fan of Amanda Crew. We also get a little bit of Ray Wise in there. So there's some good things. It just doesn't live up to what I want. Now the practical effects are great. There was at least one moment of CGI that I didn't care for. The soundtrack didn't really work for me, if I'm going to be honest, aside from the piano aspects as that plays back into the title of Tone Deaf. 
it just is a little bit too on the nose with some of the social commentary that it's going to try to get by as we have millennials versus you know boomers so i have to come in here slightly above average i like the message it wants to convey just not how it plays out so my rating is a 5.5 out of 10. so i think for the previous one i left off the number tone deaf came in at 92 and 91 is a independent film that the director reached out to me in the Night Stalker found footage coming in at 91. This is a movie that is the re video recording of the researches undertaken by three friends on what sounded like an urban legend. This does have its issues though, but I really like some of the aspects that we got. The found footage angle is interesting. It's an interesting way to look at these supernatural creatures. I do think it's a misstep to go as heavy on the dialogue and not to reveal a bit more about the creatures that we get in the movie. It does keep the spirit of the subgenre though, which is definitely important. The acting was good, the look and the effects used were as well. I thought the score for the film was really solid and the sound design of the voices of the antheists were great. I'm gonna say that this is an above average film, but I'm gonna go ahead and reserve to bring my rating up once I check out more of the lore that this movie has. As the director you know, has other films in productions, and in the email that he had sent to me as well, he informed me that there are a couple of books as well as the music of, you know, the Night Stalker and Circati to help bring in even more backstory as well as more of the exploits as this does kind of give off the feel of a superhero slash like horror type movie. So I would recommend checking this out and support the, you know, this indie horror movie and filmmaker, but that will be there. And my rating is a six out of 10. Alright, at 90 is Mary, which is a family looking to start a charter boat business, buys a ship that holds terrifying secrets once out on isolated waters. Now, I thought this was prime for me to enjoy it, but it falls flat. I like the idea of a haunting on a boat, and even how it plays out to an extent of people just going stir crazy also works. The problem there, though, is that they aren't on the water long enough. There is a good backstory, it's just lacking in building tension. The two stars are really good in Gary Oldman and Emily Mortimer. The rest are fine in support. The effects are mostly CGI, but they do well at hiding them for a good portion of it. The soundtrack doesn't really add anything, it just fits for what is needed. I just think that this is overall a disappointment because i felt it should have been better with some of the things they had to work with but this film is just above average as general it just feels like a generic ghostly type film that's set on a boat and some good things behind it just not executed well enough so i had to come in with a six out of ten okay and then coming in at 89 is another independent film where the director reached out to me and the film is desert wolf this is a series of gruesome murders occur in the small town of Junction City, Arizona. They each have one thing in common. The carnage takes place under a full moon. Now, this did some things that I really dug. If you couldn't tell from the name, this is a werewolf movie. And I like that it blended aspects of two classics while doing its own thing. Examples of that is it has a little bit of the look of the werewolves, I would say, is taken kind of from the film Wolf with Jack Nicholson. And outside of that, I think it also blends the classic The Wolfman from 1941 and some of the things in the story. It stuck with the werewolf mythos, and it took the Native American idea of the skinwalkers, where it's kind of that is what is causing, you know, um, the lycanthropy. 
and being that this is set out in the deserts of out west also works the town is a solid grouping of characters that were distinct the only issues i really had was that there was some pacing where i got a little bit boring during some parts in the middle and some of the acting is acting is quite wooden i'm a little bit more forgiving and being that this is an independent film and it has a lower budget as well it does find its way to the climax though and there's a solid reveal at the end i think there's some really good hiding of effects here even though again i'm not gonna harp on it some of the effects that we do get throughout isn't the greatest um but it's i've definitely seen worse from films with a much higher budget i also had a slight issue with the soundtrack as it seemed to be there at times where it was just silent and i think for the most part it did do what it was needed so i think this is an average independent or above average independent film don't come in expecting too much and just enjoy it and i would definitely recommend it as well if you like werewolf movies as this one is definitely worth checking out if you're into that type of thing and my rating would be a six out of ten and for my 88th film it is the progeny which is a mother concerned about her young son's disturbing behavior thinks something supernatural may be affecting him this is another one that was a little bit disappointing to me because i had high hopes for it i thought there were some good ideas here and concepts it just falls a bit flat this is an underutilized concept though for sure i think a lot of it is hurt by the pacing and how some of the things are presented motivations of characters are something else that i had issues with the acting though was pretty solid especially from jackson robert scott who i first saw from it chapter one as well as reprising his role in it chapter two i thought the effects that were used uh both pretty solid even the practical and cgi the soundtrack really didn't stand out to me but i did like the use of miles who is the child here humming as that plays into something overall in the story i did find this still to be slightly above average i would say give it a viewing if this sounds interesting as i do know a lot of people that i heard talk about it liked it more than i did so it could definitely be one of those things where another viewing might be needed for me to come up on it but at the moment i'm sitting at a six out of ten as for number 87 it is boar which technically came out in 2017 but it was making its festival run before it came out this year uh, the synopsis here is in the harsh yet beautiful australian outback lives a beast an animal of staggering size with a ruthless driving need for blood and destruction it cares for none defends its territory with brutal force and kills with a raw animalistic savagery unlike any have seen before now if you want to check out a full review for this one on the last episode i did a mini review for it so i'll be pretty brief here as i did just watch this last week um as kind of you know the right there at the end to get any missing views in but like i said in that previous thing it's not a great movie but i did have fun with it i enjoy some of the realism from being in australia from the characters as well as the setting i like the idea that this giant monster is attacking people and that it's just naturally as big as it is I thought the acting was good, as are most of the practical effects. There were just some issues with the CGI and some of the issues with the pacing for me. Uh, the soundtrack really didn't add much, but it also doesn't hurt anything. The only other thing I would say is that I wish this would have stayed more mean-spirited, as I thought it was going that way, because I definitely would have came up higher on my final score here, but I still find this to be slightly above average, just not necessarily one that I would go back to all that often, and I came in at a 6 out of 10. Alright, and number 86 on my list is The Addams Family. 
the eccentrically macabre family moves to a bland sub suburb where Wednesday Adams' friendship with the daughter of a hostile and conformist local reality show host exacerbates conflict between the families. And it should be pointed out that Wednesday Adams is voiced by Chloe Grace Moretz here. Now, I will say, I'm clearly not the target audience. And to be honest, I'm not necessarily sure who is. I like they try to do a more modern take on the Adams family. But going with animated, I'm not sure your more mainstream fans will like this. It does have a good message. It is trying to convey to, you know, be yourself as well as families needing to break tradition. I think it has a star-studded voice cast, and the animation is really good. And I like the soundtrack as a whole with a few songs that really made me chuckle. And I will say, even though I didn't really care for it, I know other people did. And I would still come in at above average um, overall, but just definitely not great. And I come in with a 6.5 out of 10. And number 85 is The Intruder. A young married couple buys a beautiful house on several acres of land, only to find that the man they bought it from refuses to let go of the property. Now this is the Dennis Quaid, Megan Good, Michael Ely film, which I do kind of feel bad having Michael Ely in two of the films that are near the bottom of my list. But this film did some good things, but I think it's just lacking in originality. There are some solid issues that are underlying in this one, which if you know me, I do quite enjoy. The acting's good. I will say Quaid probably goes a little bit overboard, um, but I'm fine with it being that he does play somebody who has lost touch with reality. There was some pacing issues that I had. It was light on the effects, but it was shot very well. The soundtrack didn't really stand out, but it also doesn't hurt there. Um, I just do think that mainstream fans will probably enjoy this one more than more hardcore fans, because it is quite light on the horror in general, and I give this one a 6.5. And number 84 is Return to Horror Hotel. This is an anthology feature with four segments, with one about giant bedbugs, one about a magical charm that turns girls beautiful, one about a World War II sailor who hasn't aged, and one is about a terrorizing severed hand. I was turned on to this when I was reached out to over Twitter to give the film a watch and review it. And I will say, I actually like this one more than the original I think this one works better with the four stories as it gives you a bit more time to establish the premise and the characters. There's an interesting meta aspect that on the television is the original is playing, which I thought was kind of cool. I still prefer my anthologies to have a wraparound, which we don't get in this one either. I thought the acting was pretty solid across the board. There aren't really any bad effects, and if I'm going to be honest, there's actually some really good ones with the budget they have here. I never got bored, but I do think there was a misstep to end it with the one that they did, as I felt that was the weakest of the four. The soundtrack didn't stand out, aside from a moment where one of my favorite podcasts used that song as their intro music. So I'd have to say that this is above average, and would recommend this if you like lower budget horror movies. It gives that feel of EC Comics or like The Twilight Zone, and my rating is a 6.5 out of 10. Alright, and at number 83, I have The Fanatic. A rabid film fan stalks his favorite action hero and destroys the star's life. This is that interesting one that was written and directed by Fred Durst and star John Travolta and Devin Sawa. Where I think this one does some really good things. I like that it is grounded in reality and the performance of Travolta really drives that. 
Now, speaking of that, he is an interesting character study of someone with a with his mental capacity is driven to the things that he does through bullies at work, as well as his hero not living up to what he thought. And I will say, I do think there's a slight issue with the pacing where it does meander for a bit and I got bored. The effects look really good and although the soundtrack didn't stand out, it fit for what was needed and I did think it was kind of funny, the Limp Biscuit reference as well. Overall, I'd say this is a slightly above average, and but it had potential to be really good still. It just kind of had, had a few missteps here and there, but I will come in at a 6.5 out of 10. At 82 is The Obsessed. This was a the midnight movie for one of the nights at the Nightmares Film Festival. So I got to catch this at that time, and I will say that's a perfect time to see this because the synopsis is a disturbed man obsessed with a singer descends rapidly into a grotesque madness. And I should probably say this is not a film for everyone. It is a nightmarish fever dream that is fueled by not only his obsession over the singer, but the main character's drug use. It is kind of sad to see someone with mental illness and not being properly helped taking the path that he does. By saying that though, I think Jacopo Tomasini did an excellent job in his performance. The pacing is interesting as it is a movie that doesn't really have a lot of story, but it doesn't need it. It builds more attention to see what he goes through and things progressively getting worse. And you can see that through the effects, which are probably the best part of this. And there was quite a few of them that made me cringe. The soundtrack fit for what was needed, you know, overall. So I have to say that this is another above average film. Not really one I would normally watch, but I'm glad I got the chance to see it. I would only recommend this if you can handle realistic effects like more hardcore type films. It does look like this has a wide release at the moment, but I would say if you get a chance and you're into gore to give this one a viewing, and my rating here would be a 6.5 out of 10. And following up with another film from Nightmares Film Festival is Eat Brains Love. This is a laugh out loud funny, surprisingly romantic zombie road trip movie filled with heart and brains. Now, I will say personally, I didn't find this to be laugh out loud funny. It did have its moments though, but it is fun just with some flaws. It's an interesting take where it's a comedy with horror and romance elements. I like the new type of zombies that is created here as it's really kind of sets this one apart as how it spreads also in that it's spread through sexual contact like a venereal disease and the people don't necessarily always are zombies, it's only when they get hungry. It has a good running time, but being that it's a comedy, it doesn't necessarily build tension like I would enjoy. I never really felt the characters were all that much into peril, even when they're in dangerous situations. The acting though is pretty good across the board, the effects were solid, the soundtrack didn't really stand out, but it also doesn't hurt. I just found this to be above average. If you're a fan of horror comedies, especially with zombies, I would recommend giving this a viewing. It does seem to be catered more towards teens though, so I would definitely say to keep that in mind. But my rating here is a 6.5 out of 10. And then for number 80 is Ghost in the Graveyard. This one I had a screener sent to me and asked to give it a review. And it is the town of Mount Mora comes under the thumb of Martha a ghost that comes back to haunt the teens who witnessed her death as children during a game of Ghost in the Graveyard, with Martha being played by Shiloh Bercio. I have to admit, this one really hooked me in, but end up losing me the longer it went. 
I think he had a really good concept, and the build-up it established really well. I just think they tried to go a bit too big with the idea and lost its way. It does build tension, but the ending I think is a bit too cheery for me. And it also takes this in, into a way that I didn't necessarily think worked. The acting is hit or miss as well. There are definitely some bright spots though. I did think the effects were good. How this was shot did make me feel uncomfortable at times. I would have to say this is an above average film and worth a watch. Another one, especially if you're more on the younger end of the horror spectrum. And I have to give this a 6.5 out of 10. Then at number 79, I have an interesting one because it is a nun's curse. This is a group of travelers are forced to seek shelter inside an abandoned jail where a notorious nun named Sister Monday, who is actually Felissa Rose, had once been assigned and was suspecting of murdering prisoners. And I actually got to see the world premiere for this as it showed at the Nightmares Film Festival with the director in, the, in attendance to kind of do a little bit of Q&A afterwards, um, Tommy Faircloth. I was actually pleasantly surprised with this one. It has an interesting idea that ticks some of my boxes. There's just some slight flaws. I think they could have paced out some of the deaths, but the idea of a nun killing people I can get down with. I didn't really care for the ending though, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, as I felt that it was a cop-out. The acting is pretty solid for a movie like this, and we have our normal trope characters as this is a slasher with some supernatural elements. The blood effects were solid, and even the CGI didn't necessarily mind, as they didn't use a lot of it. So for this, I would say it's above average. If you're a slasher fan, though, I would say to give this a viewing, and I came in, once again, at a 6.5 out of 10. And for 78 is going to be another film that I had the pleasure of seeing the world premiere at the Nightmares Film Festival and also my first foray into films from Dustin Mills as he wrote and directed this of Slaughterhouse Slumber Party. What started as the debauched annual slumber party for a tight-knit group of gal pals becomes a fight for their lives when the supernatural evil threatens to destroy the world. It was also interesting is I got to meet Dustin Mills on the second day of that festival as he was in attendance and so learning that he's from near my hometown I was even more excited to check this out, and he did even a Q&A after this, so that made it pretty interesting for me as well. Now for this movie, this is one to come in just to have fun. I don't always like horror comedies, but this one just broke me down and I dug it. I really like they actually did some, there's some really good writing here with things that are referenced early that pay off later. It does not stay its welcome, and it knows exactly what it's doing. The acting is over the top. But I don't mind it for a comedy like this as it fits. The practical effects are great, and I'm even forgiving of some of the CGI, especially hearing Mills say that they really only went that route if they had to, and I can respect that. The soundtrack didn't really stand out to me, but it doesn't hurt this one either. Overall, I'd say this is a fun film, so come in and just take it what it is. If you like Naked Ladies, I would definitely say to check this one out, as it's another above-average film at 6.5 out of 10. And then for number 77 is going to be another film that I caught at the Nightmares Film Festival in Antrim, the deadliest film ever made. This technically was made in 2018 but got its release and I saw the regional premiere of the film as uh, the film festival is in Columbus, Ohio. A young boy and girl enter the forest to dig a hole to hell. Said to be a cursed film from the late 1970s, Antrim examines the horrifying power of storytelling. 
This was an odd film that stuck with me a bit longer than it should have. It doesn't have a lot in the way of story, but I like the backstory of the film that they create for us. And because it's like a movie inside of a movie as we get the beginning as like documentary parts saying that anybody who views this dies and then they show us the actual cursed film. So I think the pacing was good for the most part, but the lack of story does make it lose its way a bit in the later in the story for me. There are some cool visuals and some really creepy parts for sure. The acting comes off very amateurish, but I think that works in its favor. There is some really creepy ambient noise that we get in this one. And I also like there is this thing where as you're watching it, it, it's filmed on film and we can see these different symbols if you're paying attention. And I like how they even explain that at some point as well. This one is another one that's slightly above average. I liked it, but there's some missing parts to it that really is set apart from different from similar films. But this is one that I do want to check out again as I do feel my rating could come up with another viewing. At the moment, I give it a 6.5 out of 10. And for number 76, I have Depraved. A disillusioned field surgeon suffering from PTSD makes a man out of body parts and brings him to life in a Brooklyn loft. What intrigued me here is I started to delve more into the New York independent film scene earlier this year, which would have been 2019 that is, and I've seen a couple films by Larry Fezzedin. When I saw that this was shown at the Gateway Film Center, I decided to just give it a viewing and you know give it a shot and also learning that Joshua Leonard is one of the actors in it also caught my interest. And this was Fezzedin's take on the Frankenstein um, mythos. And with that said, I do think this is an interesting take on it. I really like the updates that are made to the story for sure. The motivations of the characters are believable and it makes Adam, who is David Call, quite the tragic character. I think this movie does run a bit long though and could have been tightened up. I can see the points where the, from the novel that are used, which I'm a sucker for, thought the acting was good across the board, as were the effects, and especially the scars that are on Adam. The CGI was also solid, but they did overuse it a bit. So I would say I personally did not find this to be a great movie. It is a solid adaptation to Frankenstein, and I would personally say this is above average and would give it a 6.5 out of 10. I know I've heard other people talking about this and they're higher on it. So this is one I do think I need to revisit at some point to see if that second viewing will alter where I'm at with it. Alright, and number 75 is Headcount. This technically was made in 2018 but was released this year. It's a group of college students on a weekend getaway accidentally summon a supernatural entity intent on using them for its deadly ritual. This one I came in blindly and didn't even know if it was a horror film, but the Gateway Film Center shows a lot of independent films, and when I saw this was playing, I kind of did some quick research, saw that it was in the genre, decided to give it a viewing, and I thought there were some good aspects to it. I thought the concept entity was solid and the story that is presented is good. Not realizing that there's an extra person with them is something that is unnerving for me, and them not realizing it due to drinking and drugs is believable. And I think this is something that could happen to me on some of my benders with my friends. There are some issues with the pacing and cutting out of some major aspects of the film. This actually makes it feel disjointed to me. And the acting is solid though. And the effects that we do get are as well. 
overall, I would say that this film could have been much better. As I do have to say, I feel like this is slightly above average. This is another one, though, that I've heard people speaking highly of, and I think some of my issues might not still be there. I'm at a 6.5, and I still feel comfortable with that rating at this moment, but this is one that I do want to check out again just to see if I might have missed something or to see if, you know, after that first viewing, if things kind of clicked home a little bit differently for me. And with that said, what I'm going to go ahead and do is take a quick break, send you over to a musical break, and then we will get into 74 through 50.
the escape room. This has six strangers find themselves in a maze of deadly mystery rooms and must use their wits to survive. Now, I missed this in the theaters when it hit and caught it on DVD a little bit later in the year. And I think this concept is really good, especially with the popularity of escape rooms at this time. The film is written well. Uh, there's some good callbacks, as well as little things in the story that have a bigger impact later. I don't like that this is PG-13, though. I think it's a good move for the studio to do it because you can get much more audience there. I just think that the tension never fully built as I wanted it to because it doesn't go as far as it can. The acting though is solid and the effects were fine. It is a bit CGI heavy. Uh, the ending does set it up for a sequel which we probably will get because I do think this was pretty successful from what I remember. I just found this to be pretty average overall and not really living up to its full potential and this is yet another 6.5 out of 10 for me. Alright, and then number 73 is Trespassers. This is two dysfunctional couples rent a modern luxury desert home for the weekend, hoping to sort out their messed up lives. Things take a turn when a visitor shows up. This is another of those films where I blindly went in to see it, probably on a Sunday when the Gateway Film Center was showing it. And I have to say, it wasn't great, but it did some good things. I like the concept, but it's not one that is new. It really doesn't do anything all that different from some of these other ones, aside from using a little bit of this political issue in our country, as this does case on the United States-Mexico border. I think some of the acting, though, does help the film. It just was a bit boring. It does pick itself up at the climax to build more tension to an ending that I thought was pretty solid. The effects were good overall, and I wasn't expecting to rely on them, so that was also good. This one is just another one that I feel was just above average. It just doesn't do enough to set itself apart for me and for me to really, you know, elevate it to a much better film. And it's another 6.5 out of 10. Okay, and coming in at number 72 is a documentary that I saw. It's world premiere at Nightmares Film Festival, which is Beyond Horror, the history and subculture of red films. I'm a sucker for documentaries about horror films because a lot of times it usually is covering a subgenre or something along those lines that I necessarily haven't had as deep of a dive into. So I'm always appreciative to kind of learn more about the genre that I love. And it's also interesting is that Marcus Koch and Jesse Seitz are filmmakers in the genre, or at least, you know, work with some of these people. And it was also interesting to see um, Dustin Mills, who I actually met him earlier that day before seeing this, Another one is Dave Parker, who goes by Mr. Parka, who I see in horror podcast groups on Facebook that I'm in. And it's just kind of interesting, even though he and I never really have interacted at this time, but I kind of know a little bit about him and have seen some of his reviews on YouTube, so it's kind of cool for that. And this documentary really dives into the subculture of the more extreme gore films, which I'm not very familiar with. And even this documentary is a little bit tough to watch because they do show images from some of these movies. They interview people that are very knowledgeable on the subject matter, so that's fun to learn from them. This really is giving you a crash course into this subgenre, and the interviews were pretty interesting. I would say if you can't handle the clips but are still interested, keep an eye out that there should be an edited version. And I'm not even sure if this is released fully yet. So this is another one of those festival runs. 
But I knew that they were talking about that they are considering that at some point to make a more edited version for people. So keep an eye out for both of those. Um, but I would say this is above average documentary that I came in with a 7 out of 10. And number 71 is Mercy Black. A woman is sent to a mental institution after stabbing her classmate in an attempt to conjure an evil spirit called Mercy Black. Fifteen years later, she's released, and she must save her nephew, who has become obsessed with the phenomenon. Now, this is a movie that was written and directed by Owen Egerton. And I caught this because viewing for 2019 horror movies, and I saw this was on Netflix, so it was one that I just decided to blindly check out. Now, it does come from Blumhouse, and the main girl in this is Mariana Hess, who is Daniel Padilla. And what I also found interesting here is this seems to be taking a fictional look at the Slenderman case that happened where the two classmates attacked another one um, because they claimed that Slenderman told them to. I did have fun with this one, though, I will say. It has an interesting story, drawing parallels to, like I said, the real events that happened, as well as the entity that is, you know, basis on the internet. I thought the idea of this and how it plays out was good. It helped to build in mystery and attention for me. The pacing was good and I never found myself bored. thought the acting was solid for what was needed and the effects were about the same. I did find this again to be just above average though, so I had to come in at a 7 out of 10. And I would recommend this, especially if you are in that more Blumhouse target audience of being, you know, younger fans for sure, I think will get more enjoyment than some of the more hardcore fans. And for my 70th film is Z. A family find themselves terrorized by their eight-year-old son's imaginary friend. Now I'll admit, at first, I thought this was gonna be a zombie film, just from the title. And I was definitely wrong there, as it has an interesting concept for sure. And this is also the final film of 2019's Nightmares Film Festival. As I said, I like the premise, but it does ultimately fall a little bit short for me. Having this child with an imaginary friend that could actually be a supernatural entity is something that I can get on board with. There are some good effects that we get glimpses of that help to build the tension. The problem becomes that it takes a weird turn and it lost me. The acting I would say was good. There's this creepy part of a sound effect for a toy that I have to give them credit for. It's one of those children's things where you press a letter and it'll say it and the creature just keeps push or something keeps pushing the z over and over again where you don't know if this is actually done by a creature or if it's just a malfunction with the toy but in the end it doesn't really do anything all that new if you're into films like this i would say to at least give it a viewing i did like it and found it to be above average without the missteps i think this could have been really good though and if it would have went a different way in the like third act especially so I came in with a 7 out of 10 on this one. And for number 69, we have Ghost Killers vs. Bloody Mary. And this is a foreign film from Brazil where we have four YouTubers with expertise in supernatural events are seeking recognition from the audience while solving the urban legend of the bathroom blonde case, the spirit that haunts the school's bathroom in Brazil. This is also another one that I caught at the Nightmares Film Festival, so I'm not necessarily sure if this has a wide release as of yet. I have to admit, this is a cheesy horror comedy, but I dug it. I thought the idea of making these wannabe YouTube stars that have a Ghost Hunters type show going up against a real ghost, especially since they're actually frauds, 
I do really think that the acting couples with that, and there's quite a bit of comedy that works for me. There's also a bit of social commentary with bullying here that I also liked. The pacing was good, doesn't stay around too long, and it kept me interested. The problem is that the comedy aspects does hurt in building tension. The voice of the ghost that we get here definitely got under my skin a bit. Overall, I would say this is above average, and it's definitely fun. As I will warn you that it is being from a different country that I had to watch it with subtitles on. This is a bit jumbled early on and then during the end credit sequence as well. But other than that, it just felt quite natural and I did dig what they were doing here. And that is a 7 out of 10 for me. And then coming in at number 68 is another film that I saw at the Nightmares Film Festival in Puppet Killer. While celebrating Christmas at a cabin in the woods, a group of high school students are stalked by a psychotic killer obsessed with horror movie icons. Uh, the first thing I wanted to say here is that I got to meet the director, Lisa Oves, at the festival, and she's definitely a ball of energy. And getting to see this film with her in attendance was a blast. And going from that, this film was a lot of fun, and another one that you have to come in just to enjoy. The reveal of who the killer is is outrageous, as well as hilarious. There's so many horror references throughout that I really dug that. There's also some really good writing that is paired with it as well. It is paced in a way that I never got bored, but I'll admit it doesn't really build as much tension as I would have liked due to the comedy aspects. The ending worked for me though. I thought the acting was over the top and par for the course. It's also funny is that all the actors that are cast here are much older than the people they're supposed to be portraying. So I think that adds a little extra element as they're supposed to be high school students there's also an interesting cameo in this movie as well the effects are oppressive for what they can do to make this puppet move without us seeing what's controlling it and the practical effects on top of that as well i would definitely say this is a fun film especially for horror fans and i would say this is above average in my opinion at a seven out of ten this was one that i caught late in the year during uh, the last week, which coming in at 67 is Sweetheart. Jen, who is Kiersey Clemens, was washed ashore a small tropical island, and it doesn't take her long to realize she's completely alone. She must spend her days not only surviving the elements, but must also fend off the malevolence force that comes out each night. Now, if you wanna hear a more in-depth of this, I have a mini review on the last episode, but, this one does some things that really terrify me. Being isolated on an island, not knowing if you will be saved is terrifying. But then you also have this creature that is stalking you. I'm also scared of what could be at the bottom of the ocean. So that's something else that adds to it. This is really a character study of Jen, as I think Clemens' performance was good. And everybody else is really just in support of her, as it has that feel of Castaway where she's all by herself. I thought it was paced fine and most of the effects were pretty good. There is some CGI that I wasn't a fan of, but more often than not, they were um, on the more positive end. And I do like that they have this interesting synth score that almost feels like, like either 70s or like 80s types films, so that was kind of cool. And so I would say this is above average and coming in at a 7 out of 10. And then at number 66 is Into the Dark episode for December, A Nasty Piece of Work. The boss of a private equity company invites a couple of his employees over to a Christmas party that turns to be an intense competition for a promotion. Now this is going to be the first of three episodes that are on this list. And all three of the ones I've seen 
as you can tell this is the lowest rated of them for me i was trying to find a second film for a double feature for one of the episodes of my podcast and i end up figuring out this one because of an interview julian sands who stars in this when he was on the shockwaves podcast so i decided to give this a viewing as part of that double bill which if you are curious that is episode six what i'll say here is this doesn't have the most original story i do think it does some things really well working in an office i've contended with co-workers for promotions so i get that side personally seeing them push as they are is quite creepy as to what they're asked to do and some of the things that they are as said to them the acting helps bring this to life the pace i did have some issues with as it just feels uneven and i think that some of the humor though i would probably use it during my awkward nature um if i'm in a situation that's as tense as this i just didn't necessarily like seeing it play out in front of me here and it didn't just feel very natural i didn't really know if this game was going to go as far as i wanted it to and it didn't the running time was good there's not a lot in the way of effect but we get did look really good and it is framed well for reveals later Overall, I would say this is a solid installment with just some slight issues, but I would still rate this above average, and I will come in at another 7 out of 10. Alright, then coming in at 65 is The Perfection. When troubled musical prodigy Charlotte, who is Allison Williams, seeks out Elizabeth, Logan Browning, the new star pupil of her former school, the encounter sends both musicians down a sinister path with shocking consequences. Now, I have to admit, I was late to the party with this one. Most of the podcasts that I listened to had already either covered it as an episode or at least talked about it. And I didn't see this until December when I was just trying to fill in any holes in my viewing for the year. And I ended up really enjoying this one, but I didn't love it. I did like the structure of the story itself. Play its hand too early, allowing the mystery to build. It has a good running time. I had some issues with the editing, if I'm going to be honest as there's these couple of times where it likes to rewind to make sure you didn't miss certain things. Uh, the acting was good, as were the practical effects. Uh, there is a moment of some bad CGI. I'm a little bit forgiving of it at one of the reveals that we get. I thought the soundtrack did well at incorporating the cello, which is what both of these young women play. And I do think that the overall story gets a little bit convoluted as to how things play out. But again, definitely a film that I had some good aspects to it. I did find this to be above average overall with another 7 out of 10. Alright, and at 64 is Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. The peaceful town of Centerville finds itself battling a zombie horde as the dead start rising from their graves. I will admit, I enjoyed this. Not as much as everybody else seemed to, or at least some of the people that I really respect their opinions did. I will say, when I was writing my review for it, um, back when I first checked it out, my score did come up on it from what I was originally thinking of going. I do think this is an above average zombie film. The zombies themselves look great, and the wounds they inflict are as well. There's some interesting social commentary that we get here, which I normally love. I just think it's a bit too on the nose, and I feel like the people that it's going against are going to not enjoy this at all. And the comedy did get a bit repetitive, but some of it did make me laugh. The acting was great. Pacing was a bit off, and that did hurt me. And I think some of that might be that this is a comedy, and it's also very surreal in general. The practical effects look great, while the CGI was fine. And there is a song for the soundtrack that is used throughout. I did like that, because it actually 
is using the um, information from the movie in it. So I thought that was kind of a cool meta approach. I didn't personally find this to be great. It is entertaining though, but not for everybody. And I came in at a 7 out of 10 for this one as well. And coming in at number 63 is High Life. A father and his daughter struggle to survive in deep space where they live in isolation. Um, this was one that I saw part of the trailer. And I normally don't watch horror trailers, but there was something about this one that had intrigued me. And when I saw it was from A24, I figured I needed to support this company. And it also helped me to keep pace, you know, with this that I'm working on here. And I can see a lot of people not considering this horror. I think it is because it comes from the issues that are covered and looked at here. I would definitely put this on the borderline though, and could even slide it over to being horror adjacent. Now going back to the issues, did like that part of the film. As you know for me, social commentary is a big thing. It really had me thinking at the things that I was seeing. On top of that, there were some amazing performances, including Robert Pattinson. The pacing was a bit off though, and I found it to be quite boring at times. There weren't a lot in the way of effects, which is surprising for a kind of sci-fi film that we get here. Overall, I would say it's above average, and this is another one that isn't going to be for everyone. I usually like slow burns, but this one was even a bit of a chore for me, so I still have to come in at a 7 out of 10 here, though. And for number 62, I have Zombieland Double Tap. The synopsis here is Columbus, Jesse Eisenberg, Tallahassee, Woody Harrelson, Wichita, who is Emma Stone, and Little Rock, who is Abigail Breslin, move to the American heartland as they face off against evolved zombies, fellow survivors, and the growing pains of the snarky makeshift family. Now I'll admit, I really liked the original one when it came out. It was just a sweet spot for me as I saw it in college, and I thought it was pretty endearing that I lived in Columbus, Ohio. And that was, you know, the name of the main character because that's where he went. I would say if you like that original one, you probably would enjoy this as well. It doesn't really do a whole lot new. They did make some changes and add things to make it at least a little bit different. I really like that they got the core cast back together, added some fun new people. Being that it's a comedy, it doesn't really build the tension that I would like. And I didn't really care for the ending. I didn't really have any major issues with the effects either the CGI or the practical, even though I could tell quite a bit of it was CGI. Um, it's not great. I came in at above average here as well. I did find it enjoyable and I did laugh quite a few times. Now I will admit, I went and played trivia that same day before I went to see this, so I could have been a little bit buzzed when I saw it, so that probably could have helped, but I'm still gonna give this a seven out of 10. All right, and then number 61 is Hellboy which is, this is based on the graphic novels by Mike Mignola. Hellboy, who in this one is David Harbour, caught between the worlds of the supernatural and human, battles an ancient sorceress bent on revenge. Now, I know a lot of people didn't care for this. I had fun. Um, I actually did a mini review on this, I believe on my last episode, and I just feel like it has some interesting concepts, and I thought the acting was fine. The pacing moves along at a good clip, and I feel there's a solid ending. I don't think we needed as necessarily as many flashbacks as we got. There are a lot of effects. Some are good, and some are bad. The soundtrack I thought was solid. I don't think everyone will like this. If you like comic book films, I think you're more apt to enjoy this, especially because they've incorporated horror elements in it. So if you like both of those genres, I definitely think this is something I would you know, ask you to check out. 
And it's just after my second viewing, I realized this does lack heart that the Guillermo del Toro ones had. So I've come down on my rating, but I still feel it's above average and is really just fun for the right audience. And I give it a 7 out of 10. And coming in at number 60 for me is The Curse of La Llorona. Ignoring the eerie warning of a troubled mother suspected of child endearment, a social worker and her own small kids are soon drawn into a frightening supernatural realm. And I had an interesting history with this is that when I went to my first ever Nightmares Film Festival, which wouldn't have been this one that just passed but the year previous, they handed out posters so I knew this was coming out and I knew that this was part of the Conjuring universe. I thought this was pretty solid. It is about an entity that I don't know much about and I think I'll actually look more into as it's an interesting concept. Now I have heard people in the horror community that I respect say that there are much better versions of this spirit out there so I do want to see that. And I do know that there's some liberties taken, and I'm actually interested in learning more about that as well. It really needed to mesh into the Conjuring universe a little bit more, and I think that just because we had a certain character who's in both, I kind of wanted a bit more. The acting, though, I thought was good. The editing of the film was fine. They go CGI heavy, and I didn't really care for most of them. Uh, the soundtrack didn't stand out to me. I find this to be very middle of the road in that universe, and this one, I think it's just above average. It's really just a ghostly. Um, I don't think it's as cheesy as some of the It's still, you know, kind of somewhat generic, and I come in at a 7 out of 10. And number 59 for me is going to be Eli. A boy receiving treatment for his autoimmune disorder discovers that the house he's living in isn't as safe as he thought. And this was another one that I saw a little bit later than many people did and I know there was some buzz for the normal people who don't really care for the genre because of some clickbait articles about how terrifying this film was and how people on Netflix couldn't finish it and I did a featured review on this one for one of my episodes I'll be honest I thought this was solid it did lose my interest until the reveal and then I was back on board I like that this is a contained horror film where this child cannot go out into the world due to his disorder. The reveal of the truth, though, was everything that I like, and I really don't, don't want to go into that because that is a spoiler as to why I really enjoy it. The acting, though, was pretty solid, and the CGI was kind of hit or miss. Now, there are some of it, though, that I really did enjoy. The soundtrack didn't really stand out to me. It fit for what was needed, though, and overall, I'd say this is above average as well, as this is another 7 out of 10 for me. And then at number 58, I have Our Evil. This is a man with spiritualist powers is told by his mentor that a dynamic entity is returning to destroy his daughter's soul and that he should take drastic measures to prevent this from happening. Now, this is another one that I blindly went and saw at the Gateway Film Center. When I saw it was playing, there wasn't a whole lot of viewings for it and, you know, just kind of keep pace and try to get different range of horror films I decided to go check this one out and I like some aspects of it and others not so much the concept and the story to this film I thought were good I especially liked how it was structured to reveal everything the acting was solid and the effects were great I also the soundtrack to this definitely adds an element that needed for this movie as it definitely gave it a creepier vibe big issue I had with this was the pacing I just felt that it was off and I was bored at times overall though I would say this is above average and worth a viewing I will warn you though this is another film that I saw from Brazil oddly enough and had to watch it with subtitles on 
but if you're into ghost possession and films with aspects of like karma i would recommend giving this a viewing and my rating was a 7 out of 10. and then for me number 57 is the second episode of into the dark that i saw and this one is culture shock this thriller follows a young mexican woman in pursuit of the american dream who crosses illegally into the united states only to find herself in an american nightmare I checked this one out because during a film challenge, I needed a, another movie that was directed by a woman as well as one that was directed by either Issa Lopez or Gigi Saul Guerrero. So I decided to check this one out as Guerrero directed it, and I ended up enjoying this. I follow her on social media as well as the star of it, uh, Martha Higrida. So, that I kept seeing things when this came out so I decided that I would finally you know give this a go as well there's a lot of social commentary and I think that it's fitting pairing this with the beloved holiday of the United States independence because that is what um, into the dark does is each you know month has to do with something for that holiday see the things that Marisol who is Higrita goes through made me sad but I also makes her grow into the character that we see at the end the acting aside from her it was also solid it is paced in a way where I wasn't bored, and I think it does some interesting things. I thought the ending was solid, the effects were good for what was needed, and much for the same with the soundtrack. Now I will say that there is... I could see this rubbing some people the wrong way. Now I did, when I posted my review of this, put that out there, and people who I know are on the other side of the political spectrum thought that they handled it very well. So that's good to know that this, despite what it's trying to get across, or at least the subject matter that's using, it doesn't necessarily um, vilify one side or you know make everything divisive. Um, not the best film that I've seen, definitely above average, and another seven out of 10 from me. And then coming in at number 56 is Animus. And the synopsis is very brief as this time, horror comes from the other side. This is one that I only caught because early in the year I was trying to find 2019 horror movies just so I could keep pace so by the end of the year that I had a good amount watched. And so I decided on this one as it was on Netflix and I hadn't heard nothing about it. And I ended up thinking this was pretty solid. It was a fun watch as I got really into experiencing without being spoiled since I didn't know anything. It had some interesting subject matter of these two teens who have just graduated and are trying to deal with their broken lives. Seeing them cope with the structure of school ending and coming into adulthood is scary. And I personally felt that myself, so I connected there. And it's interesting that they have a supernatural element here, even though it is a concept that's been played out a bit. I will say there was a solid plot twist on a concept that many people experience though. And I do have to give it credit there thought the acting was good and the effects with it as well as how it was shot were all pretty solid i would say overall it is an above average film i will warn you though this is a co-production from i will warn you that this is a co-production from spain and belgium it is in spanish and i watched it with subtitles so if that's an issue i would say to avoid this if not and you have some free time i would say give this a viewing i gave this a seven out of ten and number 55 for me is three from hell after barely surviving a brutal police shootout, the demented Firefly clan unleash a whole new wave of murder, madness, and mayhem. Now, I should preface here, 
I didn't really care for House of a Thousand Corpses the first time I saw it. Now, I've seen it again since then, and I've come around to it, but I really liked The Devil's Rejects after that first viewing in the theater. So I was intrigued to finally check this one out. Now, I know this has been quite decisive, and I was actually excited to watch it so I could determine for myself. And I'll admit, Rob Zombie is not necessarily a director that I'm in love with. A lot of his stuff is hit or miss for me especially the first time around. I think that this one has some interesting social commentary that's still relevant today. There's an extremely bleak outlook on life. I like that the continuity for the most part is intact, except knowing that a character really couldn't be there to kill him off at a more logical spot. There's a bit of a cheat after that, but I actually like that actor even though the character not so much. I do think the film runs a bit long and the ending isn't anywhere near as iconic for the shoes that this one was trying to fill as a trilogy. I will say I still think that the acting was good across the board. The practical effects were too. Now I did have some issues with the CGI, especially with gunshots later in the movie. The soundtrack has some points where I really like it and some that I don't really care for. It fits for the most part. I still think this is probably my least favorite of the trilogy and probably just above average for me. I would still recommend it if you like, you know, zombies films or him in general. And I mean, if you've seen the other ones, you might as well complete the trilogy. And this is yet again, another seven out of 10. All right, and then at number 54 for me is Satanic Panic. A pizza delivery girl at the end of her financial rope has to fight for her life and her tips order of the night turns out to be high society satanists in need of a virgin sacrifice now this is another one that did some really good aspects that i dug i think we get some good writing here which helps the aspect of the cult and being satanist is good and i think that the acting really helps to bring this to life with the effects being really good as well now this is a comedy so that does hurt it slightly for me especially since the film does kind of lose its way in the second act the ending really worked for me some slight social commentary as well as that rich people stay you know with the wealth that they have and the power through satan which is kind of a thought process for those that take advantage of others around them in real life um, if you want to hear my full in-depth review of this this was one of my featured reviews as i was pairing this up with another with a christmas film actually uh for december so if you want to do that um It is still fun, though, and a 7 out of 10 is my rating. Alright, and then at number 53, we have The Wind. A plainswoman faces the harshness and isolation of the untamed land in the western frontier in the late 1800s. Now, this is one that I caught in the theater at the Gateway Film Center. Um, another one of those ones that just blindly was shown, didn't know anything about it, so I checked it out. Another one that has some really good aspects for me. The setting is creepy and the idea of descending into madness or there could be an evil entity that is corrupting the characters. And it makes it even worse is that they're isolated in the middle of nowhere on the you know Great Plains back when it was still a wild land. And the acting really carries this film in my opinion. I'm not the, normally the biggest fan when a film gives us a definite outcome, especially when it presents two possibilities of what is happening. I personally had a slight issue with the pacing. Uh, I thought the effects were pretty solid and the soundtrack was as well. 
not one that'll you know stick out but they had its moments where it did stick with me I did like that this is a crossover of the horror western as we don't get a lot of those I know some of the people that I interact with on social media were higher on this one I really do need to check this out again this could definitely come up for me on this second viewing at the moment though I'm sitting at above average with a 7 out of 10 and then coming in at number 52 is I Trap the Devil. A man descends into paranoia after trapping what he believes to be the devil in his basement, but things take a dark turn when his family unexpectedly arrives for Christmas. Um, this one is another one that caught my interest, but just didn't live up to what I wanted. I and, and tried to see this in the theater as it was showing really early in the year, but my schedules just didn't line up for it. And then to kind of get back into it, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy this. It is a slow burn that moves just a little bit too slow and needed a bit more for me. It's actually interesting that I was listening to the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors uh, top 10 and Mr. Parka had brought up that this was a, or what he felt this was a Twilight Zone episode that should have been 20 minutes spread out over, you know, an hour and 20. And I do have to kind of agree with that now looking back on it. I like that there's some concepts that could have been fleshed out a bit more to make this better. It is a really good character study of these three people with the man looming in the basement. It becomes a question of who is he and is he really the main character thinks. I thought the acting did well in bringing this to life. The use of color was good to see and the effects I thought were pretty solid. The soundtrack did some really good things in building tension. I personally just found this though to be above average, but it could have been much stronger if they could have, you know, fleshed out some of these things a little bit more. And as I'm saying, it just didn't go far enough for what I wanted. And this is another one that I had a featured review on as well, if you wanted to go back to that episode to check it out. But my rating here is going to be a 7 out of 10. And then my last review for this little section here is going to be at number 51 is Climax from Gaspar Noé. French dancers gather in a remote, empty school building to rehearse on a wintry night. The all-night celebration morphs into a hallucinatory nightmare when they learn their sangria is laced with LSD. Now, I had some buzz around this one as I, my theater, the Gateway Film Center, was showing a trailer for it, so I was pretty amped to check it out. And I have to say, during the setup of this film, I at first found myself bored and wanting to get into it, but looking back, I realized that I really need to see this one again because there was some references that I noticed, but it didn't make sense until everything played out. Uh, during the dance sequence, so I was locked in, and more than once I was shocked by some of the dance moves that I saw. Um, I thought this film ended up having some really good acting, and it does have a good buildup once we get into it. The effects, how it was shot, and the soundtrack are all really good as well. Uh, there was a section right there in the middle where we get the credits that I wasn't the biggest fan of, but this really is a sol solid hallucinatory nightmare like the synopsis stated. I realize that I'm lower on it than some of the people that um, I, again, you know, interact with on social media, so I think this is one that'll definitely come up for me on a second viewing. Uh, so I definitely will check this out in the future. Um, at the moment, I'm sitting at a 7 out of 10. So what I'll do is kick you over to a second musical break before I get into the top 50.
Coming in at number 50 is level 16. In a highly regimented boarding school, a pair of students discover that things are not as they seem. This is one that I wrote an article when the trailer first came out, and when I saw that my theater was showing it on a limited run, I decided to check it out. And I actually had to stay up pretty late in order to catch it. I believe it was like a 10, 11 o'clock movie. And I will say, I really enjoyed the concept and the story here. It is interesting as well with its underlying allegory that is very relevant today. The acting helps to bring everything to life. I thought the film was a bit long and don't really see anything that could be cut from it. So it's kind of a catch-22 with that. I felt it built the necessary tension to a solid payoff. There aren't a lot in the way of effects. And even though it went CGI, I felt it was used right. There's a nightmare quality to this. Even though it is listed as sci-fi, I still think it flirts with the genre enough to push it over. I found this to be a good film and would recommend giving it a viewing. And I came in with a 7.5 out of 10. And for number 49, we have Little Monsters. A washed up musician teams with a teacher and a kid's show personality to protect young children from a sudden outbreak of zombies. I'll admit, this is one that I had a lot of fun with. I like the idea of zombies attacking this petting zoo, which is on a field trip where the teacher and the washed-up musician is one of the chaperones. The problem, though, is that it does hurt the tension because of there being this classroom of children. I figured nothing would bad would happen to the, any of them. With that not being there, it does. It needed to build this in a different way, and I will say I think it does have some good heart, and it is funny. The acting definitely helps here, which the three stars are all solid, which are. Uh, Lupita Inyongo, Alexander England, and Josh Gad. The look of the zombies is really good, but I do feel too many of the deaths were off screen. I like what they did with the soundtrack where they play off of Inyongo's character's name, which is Charlotte. And then being that we have a washed up musician, there is, you know, a lot of singing that goes in that is actually ambient and from the characters. If you have children who can handle bad language, I would recommend this. Like I said again, it's a fun film if you enjoy horror comedies, especially ones with zombies. I think you can get a laugh or two from this for sure, and I came in with a 7.5 out of 10. Alright, and coming in for me at number 48 is Rust Creek. An overachieving college student gets lost on her way to a job interview. A wrong turn leaves her stranded deep in the Kentucky forest. Now, I remember hearing about this one back in January, but for whatever reason, it got pushed back. So I ended up checking it out, I believe, in October during my 31 days of Halloween. And I will have to admit, kicking this off, I didn't love this, but I did find it enjoyable. I was actually questioning while watching this if it was a horror film or not. And I think that it does have a dark enough feel to fit the genre. The concept isn't anything new, but there's enough of a variation that it does work for me. I also think that the acting was pretty solid for me across the board to help bring these characters to life. The tension it built throughout the film, but I do think it does run a bit long. Not that it got boring, but there were just some parts that I really felt that weren't needed in my opinion. There's not a lot in the way of effects, but the practical ones we get worked. I did have some issues with some of the CGI fire I saw, and I would have to say that this is above average for me. I do know some people that I talked to kind of felt similar to me, and I know Duncan over at the podcast under the stairs didn't like this at all. I personally, though, came in with a 7.5, but probably one that I didn't really feel there was enough here for me to check out again. All right, then at number 47, I have Velvet Buzzsaw, a satire set in the contemporary art world scene of Los Angeles, where big money artists and mega collectors pay a high price when art collides with commerce. 
Now, I remember when this hit Netflix and it was quite polarizing. So I decided to give this a viewing, you know, to keep up with the 2019 watches, especially ones that were more popular. I liked this, but I feel that there is a better movie than what we got. The film really didn't know what it wanted to be early on, in my opinion. I've heard someone on a podcast state that they think that it was coming from someone who doesn't really understand or know the genre trying to do a horror film. And this does seem to make sense. I think it could have cut out some of the pretentious art aspects and give us a little bit more research into the artists and the creation of the works. That's something that I would have liked. And this runs a bit long and what they focused on hurt the pacing for me. The acting though is really good. We have a lot of stars in it like Jake Gyllenhaal and Tony Collette. And I thought the effects were really good as well. And as I said, I think this is a good film. Again, it is polarizing. I would say if you've never watched this, to give it a viewing to see if it's up your alley. You might end up hating it still though, but it kind of all depends on what you feel about art house films because this is definitely one of those. And my rating here is a 7.5 out of 10. All right, then coming in at number 46, I have To Your Last Death. In order to save her siblings, a young woman takes on her father and the powerful entity known as the Game Master, who ensnares humans into diabolical plots while her species gambles on the outcome. Um, I caught this at the Nightmares Film Festival. I didn't really know what I was getting into or anything about it, but a filmmaker I'd met that morning said that it was showing and recommended checking it out. He did state to me, though, that it was a wild animated horror film, and this was the Midwest premiere of it, so that's something else that caught my interest. This is intriguing after seeing it. I really like that we have a few different layers here to this deadly game being played. It really does feel like a game of Saw that these cosmic characters are betting on as well as controlling as the Game Master who is voiced by Marina Brakarin is able to rewind and change things and make characters do different you know, actions so that way it'll give a different outcome. Being that this is animated allows them to do certain things that you can't necessarily do with real actors. But I also have issues connecting and worrying about the characters because of that. Uh, I do think it's paced well. It kept my interest. Even with things that get rewound to make the game more interesting, I didn't mind seeing that play out. I like how it ended for sure. The voice acting is great. As we get, along with Rakarin, we get William Shatner, Ray Wise, Bill Mosley, just to name some of the people that were here. Overall, I'd say this is another above average, and I'd recommend giving it a viewing if you like animated horror films and kind of want to see how a Saw film could be played out, you know, in that type of forum. So I end up coming in here with another 7.5. And coming in at number 45 is a horror anthology that I caught at the Nightmare Film Festival called scare package it is seven filmmakers seven tales of terror zero working cell phones i had no idea what this was from the title but then when it started off it is definitely a comedic take on the horror genre but what i really dig about it is that it is done by people that seem to know the genre and when they're poking fun at things they're doing it lovingly and they're doing it very well and I should also put here that this is the Eastern United States premiere that I was at. I like that this has a hilarious wraparound, and there's some really solid segments in the middle. Not all of them were great, but none of them were so bad that I despised them. I think that they were all paced in a way where I didn't get bored. We get in and get out, which is all you can ask for in an anthology like this. The acting is a bit over the top, but you'll have that in a comedy. I thought the effects were good, with a blend of practical and CGI. 
overall i thought this was above average if you hate horror comedies i would say avoid this and i'm not sure if you know the genre if this will affect you the same so i would definitely recommend this to horror fans who have seen quite a bit of at least the major films because i think you'll definitely get enjoyment out of this one and my rating here was a 7.5 out of 10. and coming in at number 44 is girl on the third floor don koch who is CM Punk, tries to renovate a rundown mansion with a sordid history for his growing family, only to learn that the house has other plans. When I first heard the news about this, I had kind of gotten to wrestling when CM Punk was still in it. I wasn't an avid fan at that time, but I did know of that happening. So I was intrigued to see that he was starring in this, and this was the second film on the second day of the Nightmares Film Festival, so I got to see the regional premiere for this movie. Interesting things going for it, but I just don't think they went far enough with it. I like the vibe of this haunted house type film, and I think that the past that is introduced is interesting. I just wanted to know a bit more about what we got. The film though never got boring to me, and I think it builds tension to an intriguing ending. The acting's pretty solid across the board, it's funny is that Punk is playing a recovering alcoholic when I'm pretty sure in his real life he's a straight edge, but he does come off as an asshole who, I mean, he's hiding that he's drinking, but he comes off with his personality, fits him, and I think a lot of that was because that's the character he played on wrestling. They do some interesting things with ambient noise in this movie, so I did like that. Overall, I'd say this is above average film. There's some minor missteps, especially with aspects of the story to you know not really give be able for me to give it more points so i had to come in with a 7.5 out of 10. and for 43 we have lords of chaos a teenager's quest to launch norwegian black metal in oslo in the early 1990s results in a violent outcome now i was interested in this because i heard a podcast who told the events of this that this is based on and I know that was based in truth because they went from the actual case files and the book that was written about all this. Now, what I'm fine with this is that it's a somewhat fictional take on it, as the beginning of it has a quote saying, truth lies in what really happened. And I thought this was actually pretty interesting overall. I will admit that I don't know the entire story, and I think that this film is constructed in a way that it was interesting. It is crazy that some of these things really happen though. The acting is really good in my opinion, and I definitely have to give a shout out to Rory Culkin, who did a great job as the main character of Aronimus. And I thought they constructed the story in a way that the tension continues to build throughout. The effects look pretty amazing. And the score of it was fitting for what they needed because they definitely played up on the using the music that these guys were all playing and really into. Now, I've heard that this is pretty polarizing, but I, like I said, enjoyed it. And I admit, I don't know the full story outside of just a little bit that I've uh, listened to. I don't think it's a great film, but it was pretty good in my opinion. And I would recommend checking this out, especially if you're interested in these events. So I had to come in with a 7.5 out of 10. And number 42 for me is going to be Child's Play. A mother gives her 13-year-old son a toy doll for his birthday, unaware of its more sinister nature. Now, I should probably say here, I grew up on the sequels to the uh, original. So when this was first announced, I was a bit leery, but I was willing to check it out. I have to say, this was better than I was expecting. 
I did have a lot of fun with this. I really like the concept of this toy having Bluetooth capabilities and the implications there. Some of the things that stem from that definitely helped drive the tension. If anything though, I wanted them to, to go just a bit farther for me. I thought the climax was a slight letdown for what they did, but the ending was fine. The acting I thought was really good across the board and the effects were for the most part. There was some CGI with the doll and with some of the deaths that I noticed and I didn't like, but I'm willing to get past that. I did love the buddy song that they have from the movie as Chucky, who is voiced by Mark Hamill here, sings it is quite creepy. I thought this was a pretty good film. I would recommend giving it a viewing and keep an open mind. Separate this from the original series as this is pretty violent. So if that's something you don't like, I would probably say then not to see it. But I'm going to come in with a 7.5 out of 10. And for me, at number 41 is The Furies. A woman is kidnapped and finds herself an unwilling participant in a deadly game where women are hunted by masked men. Now, I did a mini review on this on my last episode, so I won't go too much into this, but I think this does some really good things. I like taking the ideas from the video game Manhunt and incorporating it into a slasher film. There's some interesting references with things like Beauty and the Beast, as well as mythology. I thought the characters were pretty solid and distinct. The masks on the killer look good, as are the slasher effects. They were mostly done practical, and I love that. I thought the pacing was good. I don't necessarily like how it ends, as I feel like it went a little too far and makes it somewhat more unbelievable. The use of the alarm horn was pretty effective. I thought that this was above average and with a few changes could have been really good. So I would highly recommend this if you're into slasher films and my rating is a 7.5 out of 10. And at number 40 is my last Into the Dark episodes that I have on the list with this one is Down. Two co-workers find themselves stranded in an elevator over Valentine's Day weekend. Now, as I've already kind of touched upon they focus on the holidays of the month what i like is that this one's for valentine's day being that it's february's episode but they also incorporate president's day as because of the long weekend that they get i think the concept of this is quite scary where we have two people stuck in an elevator and that they're going to be stuck there this whole time because it is going to be over a holiday weekend the acting really carries this which you have to have a for a film that's contained like this is. The only issues I had that the story is a bit telegraphed and predictable at times. Did think the editing was good to build tension. The effects were solid and it was shot well. Overall, I would say this was a pretty solid film. And if this sounds good, I would give it a shot as it's not the best from what I've heard from most people. But for me, I really enjoyed this and I came in with another 7.5 out of 10. And then next I have at number 39, The Hole in the Ground. A young mother living in the Irish countryside with her son suspects his increasingly disturbing behavior is linked to a mysterious sinkhole in the forest and fears he may not be her son at all. Now, I remember when this was making its festival round and a lot of people, there's a lot of buzz about it. So I was pretty intrigued and excited when my theater, the Gateway Film Center, had showtimes for it. So I caught it up there. I like the concept, even though it's not new, of if our loved ones are who we think they are, I do feel this could have explored the mythology of the sinkhole and what's inside of it a bit more, and I did have some slight pacing issues. The film was written well, the acting was good, and the effects were solid. I will say that I liked this one, I just wanted a bit more. I do think it's good though, and would recommend giving it a viewing, and I came in with another 7.5. Number 38, I have Braid. 
two wanted women decide to rob their wealthy, psychotic friend who lives in the fantasy world they created as children to take the money they have to take part in a deadly, perverse game of make-believe. Now, this is one that I heard a little bit about on social media, and it had me intrigued, especially when I saw that there were some showings at the Gateway Film Center. There are a lot of surreal things that happen in this film, and the trippy imagery really helps that. The way that I read this film really has an interesting concept with how people my age and younger try to deal with the threat of a mundane life or how not to deal with it. thought the acting was good. The practical effects were solid. Overall, I felt this was a good movie. I really want to check this out again to see if I might have missed anything with that first viewing. But after this initial one, I thought it was above average, as I said, and this will be a 7.5 out of 10 as well. And for my number 37th film is Greta. A young woman befriends a lonely widow who is harboring a dark and deadly agenda toward her. This was one that I remember early in the year and I was pretty excited to check it out because it sounded interesting and I wasn't actually sure if it was going to be horror or not, but I was going to give it a shot. And I have to say, I thought this had an interesting take on a story that we've seen before. I like the idea of all three of our leads are women, which is Isabella Huppert, Chloe Grace Moretz, and Micaiah Moore. And this is normally a story that we would have a man as the villain. So I like that switching it up. I thought the acting was great. I thought the story was paced well. And there were some aspects that we didn't necessarily need. One of which got under my skin, to be honest. I don't really want to go into spoilers here with it, but I will say that, though. There's not a lot of in the way of effects. I think it is shot well. I think this is a above average to almost good. So I'm right in the middle of that there. If not for one sequence, I probably would have come in a bit higher, but I would still recommend giving this a viewing if you haven't yet. And my rating will be a 7.5 out of 10. And coming in at number 36 for me is Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. A look at the history of black horror films and the role of African Americans in the film genre from the beginning. Now, this is the second documentary to make my list. I always find it interesting to watch documentaries, like I said earlier, on the, my favorite genre, especially if it's a look at something that is different from my own, as I am a white male. So it's interesting to watch this for a different takeaway from things that I've seen, you know, my whole life. Since I have the, you know, just a little bit of knowledge of other people's culture, it is definitely good for me to hear it from their side and their perspectives. I thought there was a great group of people that they interviewed. If there's anything negative to say, I wish they would have went deeper. This is more of a documentary for those that are new to the genre, as it expects you to know the basics of the films that they show. Um, I just really would like to see one that goes deeper into the meanings and symbolisms, which this does do a bit of that, and I thought that was really good. Um, it has a good running time, and personally, it could have went longer, and I probably still would have liked it as much as I do. I have to come in with my first 8 out of 10. And at number 35, I have Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. A chronicle of the crimes of Ted Bundy, who in this is portrayed by Zac Efron, from the perspective of Liz, who is Lily Collins, his longtime girlfriend, who refused to believe the truth for, about him for years. I ended up enjoying this. I remember when there was a lot of buzz around, I believe, Sundance uh, about somebody picking this up, and I know Netflix got it. I lucked out in that the Gateway Film Center showed it on the big screen, so that's where I saw it. And I think Efron was a good choice for Ted Bundy. It's fun 
to see him grown up from things like high school, the musical, and you know, movies like that, because he actually is a pretty solid actor. Um, I thought he was really impressive in his acting as this role. It's interesting is there's some blowback from this film as a lot of women were kind of sympathizing with it. But I love about that is that's exactly how Bundy got away with a lot of things that he did back then because of how charismatic he is. And that is something that Afron brings to the role. The pacing, though, is a bit weird and it almost feels like a documentary, but we're seeing it play out. And it's a story that I already know. I thought the other actors were good as well with a special shout out to Collins. Uh, she shows a lot of emotion in this position that she was in. There's not really any effects as it never shows any of the deaths. I thought they had some good selections as the soundtrack fit for the time period. I thought this was a good film and I would definitely recommend it. I will have to also say that it is just interesting to see this monstrous human being being played out almost as a reenactment. And I will reiterate, I don't necessarily know if this is horror outside of the subject matter, but I think it's enough to be included here. And I again come in with an 8 out of 10 on this one. Now one that I'm probably going to get some blowback for is my number 34 is 47 meters down, uncaged. Four teen girls diving in a ruined underwater city quickly learn they've in entered the territory of the deadliest shark species in the claustrophobic labyrinth of submerged caves. Now, I was wondering if this is going to be able to hold up as a sequel. I like that this one does something differently. This one keeps the general idea of being trapped underwater with a shark stalking them, but does something completely different, and for me it worked. I really enjoyed the concept, even though Uncaged really doesn't necessarily fit, aside from the fact that there is no cage. I don't necessarily think there's a lot of depth to the story, but I like that the forces these characters to have some growth still from what they're in. Now, I'm terrified of being underwater. Um, not so much like how deep they are, but more about what could be at the bottom of the ocean. So being stalked by this shark is scary to me. I do like the setting of this underground city that is, you know, submerged underwater and them getting trapped under there because that does make sense. And the tension is building because their oxygen tank, much like in the original, is running out of air. I never got bored and I was just along for the The acting was all right. The CGI is definitely relied on heavily here. I don't mind it. It's I do feel like the sharks seemed almost teleport into places where you know, they needed to be. The soundtrack does help to build tension. I thought this was a good film. I have some small gripes against it, but I will admit, now that I'm talking about it, I'll probably come down on my rating if I ever check on this again. But at the moment, I'm at an 8 out of 10, and I think where I have it on here is, for me, I don't feel bad about. And for my 33rd film is One BR, or One Bedroom. Sarah, who is... Nicole Bryden Bloom tries to start anew in LA, but her neighbors are not what they seem. Uh, this is another one that I caught at the Nightmares Film Festival. I had no idea what it was about, so I came in blind, and this was the Midwest premiere for it, and I ended up really enjoying this. It's a concept that really creeps me out, but I love how they brought this subtly to the urban setting. I like how they constructed Sarah's character, and we really get to know her as she grows. I do think that there's a section that was a bit boring, but I can see why it's required. The acting was pretty solid across the board. 
there's not a lot of way of effects but what we do get I thought was really good it was done practically and they were needed to help build tension the sound design is really creepy and helping to build tension with the soundtrack that fit for what was needed I thought this was a good movie and would actually recommend this to genre and non-genre fans alike it is something that's very socially relevant with its commentary which if you know me I'm a big fan of now this is still I think making the festival round so it's probably not released wide yet but if it does and you get a chance to check this out i would recommend seeing this and i came in with another eight out of ten on this one and coming in at number 32 is the golem during an outbreak of a deadly plague a mystical woman must save her tight-knit jewish community from foreign invaders but the entity she conjures to protect them is a far greater evil now i heard about this as Listening to Shockwaves, I know Rob Galuzzo was part of how this got distribution. And I thought this was quite interesting. I'm a sucker for mythology and thought it was great to learn more about this creature that is considered to be a defender of the Jewish people. I do wish the film would have delved a bit more into the mythos than what we got. I also wish that the character we saw in the beginning was used later, but I understand why we don't. I like the idea of the village being taken over and them fighting back thought the acting was good effects were more cgi than i normally like but i did think for the most part those looked good as well the practical effects were fine uh the score was fitting i did really like the violin that was used as very haunting um i thought this was an interesting film and one that i do want to revisit to see where my rating would be after that second viewing um but i'm still sitting at an 8 out of 10 at the moment for this one and for my 31st film it is pledge which is interestingly enough is my first one that I saw of the year. And this is a group of college freshmen pledge an exclusive fraternity, but soon realize there's more at stake than they could have ever imagined. Now, I realize this isn't great, but it was a pretty solid way to start off my 2019 watches. I thought the concept was interesting and something I could connect with as I had rushed a fraternity myself and I can say nothing I ever did was as extreme as we got here. I thought the acting was good across the board. There was a bit of comedy mixed in, which does help to alleviate some tension, but I do think it's paced well. I thought the effects were really good, especially because most of them went practical. Uh, the score didn't really stand out aside from the party scenes, and that was fitting for what they needed. I would say that this overall was a good film, and I would say if you didn't get a chance to see this one, to give it a viewing, not I would say top 10 territory, but I definitely thought, you know, like I said, for me coming in, you know, just outside of the, my top 30 and my rating was an eight out of 10. And to start off my top 30, I will go to next. Annabelle comes home while babysitting the daughter of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, respectively. A teenager and her friend unknowingly awaken an evil spirit trapped in a doll. Now. Just to preface this, after the first Annabelle film, I was down on this line of spinoffs, but the prequel Annabelle creation ended up being one that I really liked and is one of my favorites in this Conjuring universe. And this one is another one that helps me with that as well. I don't think this is the best in the series. I still think I put creation above this one, but it's definitely enjoyable. I like the idea of how this doll gets free and there's a little bit of heart to it as well. And I like that they move away from the parents and allow these three young women to, you know, take the lead here. And that was a good touch. 
I thought all of their acting was solid, with them being uh, McKenna Grace as Judy Warren, uh, Madison Eastman as Mary Ellen, and Katie Serif as Daniela Rios. Uh, the pacing does help to build tension, and there's also some emotional weight, which goes back to what I liked about the story. Now, this is very CGI heavy. I didn't mind it for the most part. It looked good enough, and it never took me out of it. What I do like about this as well is they, I feel, create more potential for spin-offs in this series as they introduce some of these stories through the artifacts that are kept in the Warrens Museum. So I would be fine with some more prequel type films where we get to see some of that because some of the things that we saw definitely creep me out if I'm going to be serious. Um, so I thought this was an interesting ghost story that is definitely mainstream friendly and I came in with an 8 out of 10 on this one. And for number 29, I have Nightmare Cinema. Five strangers converge at a haunted movie theater owned by the projectionist, who is Mickey Rourke. Once inside, the audience members witness a series of screens showing them their deepest fears and darkest secrets over five tales. Now, I got the chance to catch this at my local theater. I kept seeing the trailer for it uh, before movies, and I don't really watch trailers, so I would just catch what the title was and you know look away and get out of my phone. Um, I like anthology films, so I knew that this was going to be one of those from, you know, directors that made shorts that were people that are either legends or up-and-comers in the horror genre, so that really piqued my interest there. And what I have to say is this is a good anthology to me. I thought this was one of the better ones to come out in recent memory for the most part. I like the range of the shorts that we got here and the message they're trying to convey. Each one of them was different, and it really does all work together, especially being that it's in a movie theater. Now, I do wish they would have had a better wraparound bringing up the movie theater, and I feel like they could have tightened it and connected everything just a little bit better. And no offense to Rourke, I don't really feel like he put his all into this, and it does feel like it's a cash grab for him. I will say it is edited together great. It has its peaks and valleys as they introduce each story arc. I thought the acting helps to bring this to life for me. The effects were most practical and actually the CGI either works or just enhances what was needed um, again not the greatest thing and not the greatest work from all of these people I thought it was just a fun one and it was interesting to see some of these stories play out overall I thought this was just good and I would recommend giving it a viewing even though I have heard some people were kind of down on it uh, for the most part so I am in an 8 out of 10 for this one for myself controversial pick for me is coming in at number 28 i have pet cemetery dr lewis creed who is jason clark and his wife rachel amy simons relocate the couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home now just to kind of defend my controversial pick here i like the original film i don't love it though and i actually think this works a little bit better for me personally I like the darker feel to this film, especially with the changes from the previous one. I think the acting is better in this one, which helps to build the tension and actually makes the emotional aspects of the film that much more intense. The effects were solid. I like the practical. The CGI can get a little bit wonky, I will admit that. Um, I don't think this is great by any stretch, but I think it's still good. And 
I will admit, I've gone down since my initial viewing, and now that the hype is gone, I've been able to digest it a bit more. And kind of just preface why I like this one better a little bit more. I think Clark is better as Lewis. I think Simons is better as his wife. And I think that John Lithgow plays Judd differently. So I wouldn't say he's necessarily better, but I like what he does with the character here. So for me, I still feel like this is a good movie, as I said, and I am coming in at an 8 out of 10 here. And then coming in at number 27, I have Crawl. A young woman, while attempting to save her father during a Category 5 hurricane, finds herself trapped in a flooding house, must fight for her life against alligators. Now, I will admit, I don't always love creature features, but if I find one that I enjoy, I can usually get behind it and usually will champion it, and I found this one to be fun. It is definitely more of a popcorn movie, but there's also a bit of heart in there as well. I love the idea how they get trapped and the creatures that are hunting them. It makes sense why they're hunting them, especially because of some of the things that are revealed and knowing about alligators and how they are territorial. thought it was paced well. It never gets boring. I thought there was a satisfying conclusion. The acting really helps this film as well, as I thought both stars really give you know depth to their characters. There's a lot of CGI where it goes quite heavy there. I thought they did good with it for the most part. Um, I thought the soundtrack does some interesting things with being able to hear through like the floor and how the rain is kind of deadening some of the you know sounds because they are in the middle of a hurricane. So that is deafening some of that. Now, I did like that we hear about people and things around them that you know drive the tension and the story. Now, I do know there are some of the things that are a little bit unbelievable that happen. I'm willing to forgive a little bit of that because it is a popcorn type movie. I still think this is good and one of the better alligator films that I've seen out there. So I will come in with an 8 out of 10 on this one. And the last movie for this section is going to be Ma, which comes in at number 26. A lonely woman befriends a group of teenagers and decides to let them party at her house. Just when the kids think their luck couldn't get any better, things start happening that make them question the intention of their host. I was intrigued by this one as the trailers didn't make it look like it was going to be the greatest film, but I was interested in seeing that Blumhouse was coming out with their first R-rated film, or at least a first one in a while, and from what I got from the trailer, definitely was not the movie that I ended up getting, and I was happy about that. This story goes deeper than I thought it was going to. I think the acting really helps bring that to life as well. It is paced and builds tension to a really good climax. I wasn't expecting the effects that we got, but they really helped the film. Thought the soundtrack was solid as well and fit for what they needed. Definitely recommend this and give this a viewing as I feel like this is a good film. I had to go a little bit vague here because I don't really want to spoil anything about, you know, what are the deeper aspects of the story, but definitely give this a viewing if you haven't and if you were a little bit leery about seeing it. My rating here, an 8 out of 10. And what I'm going to do is kick you to one last musical break. I'll get to the top 25. Thank you, so criminal Bruises 
Coming in at number 25 is Swallow, Hunter, who is Haley Bennett, a newly pregnant housewife, finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. Now, this was the film that kicked off Nightmares Film Festival from this year. I really didn't know what I was getting into or what this was about, aside from, you know, the interesting title and, you know, that synopsis that was in the booklet that they hand out. This is also the first screening outside of New York City that I was in attendance of. I really enjoyed this film, as it's really intriguing. I think this is definitely an interesting character study of this woman that seems like she's happy but never dealt with some past traumas until now, when her life is kind of spiraling out of control. It is paced in a way where it kept things moving, but not a lot necessarily happens. I like how it ends, and I think there's some really good acting here. There aren't a lot in the way of effects, but what we got was good. Um, I found this to be a good movie. I wouldn't recommend it to everyone, and I do think some people might question um, if this is actually horror or not. But I found there to be some interesting things, and seeing some of this play out is pretty horrific, at least to me. Now, this doesn't have a wide release as of yet. But just looking at it, it does look like March 6th of this year is when that'll be happening. So I would recommend that. And just to give my rating on it is an 8 out of 10. And then coming at number 24 is 29 Needles. Francis, who is Brooke Barry, uses pain to hold back his inner demons. But when this no longer works, his obsessions for pain and sex lead him into new territory. This one ended the longest night of 2019's Nightmares Film Festival, and this was the world premiere for it as well. I knew from my experience from the year before, the 2 a.m. showing was going to be trippy, weird, and probably nightmarish, and this did not disappoint. 
I didn't realize it at the time, but I was sitting in the same row as the writer-director of this, who is Scott Philip Gorgans, as well as the star, Brooke Barry. Now, I have to preface this saying that this movie is not for everyone. It is a sad, haunting tale of how abuse can affect someone for the rest of their lives. We did an amazing performance from Barry. There's not a lot to the story, but there's some deeper issues underneath what we are seeing. The effects in this are amazing to the point where I question if what I was seeing was real and what I wasn't. It also has a grainy look to the film, which helps to create an even more sense of realism. I think the pacing is fine. It does a great job at building tension and making me cringe. Uh, there's quite a bleak ending that I'm usually down for. The soundtrack was also really good and fit for what was needed. Overall, I would say this is a good film, but again, not for everyone. I need to make sure that if you do check this out, that you are prepared for how graphic it is. But if you can handle that, there's a sad and dark tale here for sure. And my rating is an 8 out of 10. And then coming in at number 23 is Joe Bigos' VFW. A group of war veterans must defend their local VFW post and an innocent teen against a deranged drug dealer and his relentless army of punk mutants. Now, this came on my radar when the director, Bigos, got interviewed on the Shockwaves podcast. They were talking about this, and it really intrigued me with the idea. And I lucked out that they were showing this at the Nightmares Film Festival for its Ohio premiere. And I'm glad I got the chance to catch this one, as I really dug it. It is a film that does something that isn't completely original, as it really felt like Assault on Precinct 13. But it is brutal, and I caught myself getting excited with watching things that are happening before me. There are some interesting underlying issues with different eras of people and, you know, doing the right thing. I think it is pace in a way where it moves through things and never gets boring. I dug the ending. Uh, I thought the acting was really good across the board. I mean, we have such film legends as William Sadler, Stephen Lang, uh, Martin Cove, David Patrick Kelly, George Went. Somebody who I'm currently in love with in the acting community is Dora Madison is in this as well. Uh, we have Fred Williamson. Uh, Graham Skipper is here, who's not really a legend along with Travis Hammer, but they are both people that I see a lot in the um, independent horror genre. So I can really, you know, get behind what they're doing there. The effects are also solid. I love the soundtrack, which is paying homage to Carpenter. And I think a lot of that is because they're kind of borrowing heavily from, you know, Assault. And I feel this is a good movie and definitely one that I would recommend watching with friends as it's really fun. And I know it's not currently released yet, but from the looks of it, it does look like February 14th of this year is when it will be coming out. So definitely give this a viewing. And if I didn't say it already, um, 8 out of 10. Alright, and for me, number 22 is Agazusa. And I do have to give a shout out real quick there to Mr. Venom, as listening to him on the 22 Shots year-end show is where I learned how to actually say that. And the synopsis is paranoia and superstition in 15th century Europe. Now, this is another one that was shown at the Gateway Film Center just randomly, and there wasn't a whole lot of viewings, but I end up catching it at 11.30 p.m viewing of this just because I wanted to you know keep pace and I'm definitely glad that I did and because I was excited to check this out from the little bit that I'd heard before I did and I think it ended up being something close to what I wanted it is an interesting in the setting and time period it takes place 
It is already rough to survive, and when you mix in the isolation and the fear of those being different, you get what is going on here. So that all helped for my enjoyment. The acting was good. The soundtrack really helped to drive the tension and make me feel uncomfortable. I did think at that first viewing that it was a bit long and could have been tightened up, but it does have a fitting ending. There's not a lot in the way of effects. It is shot beautifully, and the locations really seem like this is happening at that point as well. I don't necessarily know if I would recommend this to everyone, for the reasons being that if you like more art house, slow burn type films, give this a viewing. I found this to be good. I have only seen it once though, and since there's a lot of people that you know have been talking it up, I do really want, and I've had since that first viewing, wanted to take a second look just to see if what my rating would do if it would stay the same or move up or whatnot. Um, but at the moment, I'm gonna stick with my eight out of ten that I gave it. And then coming in at number 21 is Piercing. A man kisses his wife and baby goodbye and seemingly heads away on business with a plan to check into a hotel, call an escort service, and kill an unsuspecting prostitute. Now, this one, uh, I would, early last year, I was struggling to find 2019, you know, horror films that were being released. And when this came to the Gateway Film Center, I checked it out and then ended up hearing an interview with the director, Nicholas Pesch, on Shockwave's podcast not too long after that. And it's also fitting is for 2020, I've already seen The New Grudge, which he also directed. So it's just fitting that back-to-back -back years, I would kick off the year pretty early on with films from him. Now, to get into this one though, it is interesting with what happens with it. I thought the ending had some good implications. The pacing of it's solid for the most part. The acting though is really good, especially from our leads of Christopher Abbott and Mia Wasikowska. They did a great job in my opinion. The effects were good. I did have some slight issues there with some of the things that were being done. The score of the film was amazing, especially using the two songs that I listen to on a daily basis on it. And there's also this interesting thing where we're seeing things acted out and we're hearing the sound effects from them, but they're not actually happening. That was an interesting twist. And uh, Derek B had also pointed out to me recently while we were chatting that his other two movies, which I have seen, which I mean, I'm including The New Grudge, but as well as Eyes of My Mother, are paying homage to different eras with each of these films. This one definitely felt like a 70s film. And so I had to make sure I gave him credit for it because this is something he brought up, not myself, but did share it with me. So I could definitely see where he was coming from there and can feel that. Um, this film, though, back to it, is not as violent as I thought it would be, but I think it works for the most part still, and I would have to say this is a good film, not great. Uh, if it sounds interesting, I would recommend giving it a viewing, and I came in with an 8 out of 10. To kick off my top 20 is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. The cryptozoological agency of Monarch faces off against a battery of god-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla who collides with Mothra, Rodan, and his ultimate nemesis, three-headed King Ghidorah. I should probably preface this with, growing up, I loved the giant monster kaiju films. I'm nowhere near an expert, because I tended just to watch the same ones over and over again, but as an adult, started to seek out the ones that I hadn't. And I can actually remember seeing the 1998 remake with my father and sister in the theaters, 
we at the time enjoyed it but the more i grew up the more i realized how bad it was compared to the ones that i had been you know seeking out as an adult and i enjoyed the most recent remake and the talk of this monster universe they were building had me intrigued and i actually got to catch this i believe a few days early um at the gateway as they were showing um like a sneak peek thing where the company actually had you know was there with metal detectors and making sure that your phones were not being able to be used during the film I really enjoyed this. I liked how they incorporated a solid social commentary message into this while giving us what we really wanted. They brought these giant creatures to life and then coupling it with some great acting and writing for at least for me. There's a bit of cheesiness to it, but you, I come to expect that. I thought the editing of the film keeps it balanced while being you know, interesting as well as having a solid ending. It is CGI heavy, but it looked real for me. The soundtrack helped to enhance those scenes as well. And I was glad to hear that like Bear McCreary taking some of the classic themes for Godzilla and you know updating it just a bit and incorporating it here. I would have liked to know more about some of the monsters that I didn't recognize, but if these films keep having success, I'm assuming they will. And definitely, you know, later on have either become a bit more featured in a different film so i can always hope for that but i would definitely recommend that i thought this was really good and this will be my first 8.5 out of 10 for this year all right and then number 19 is brightburn what if a child from another world crashed landed on earth but instead of becoming a hero to mankind he proved to be something far more sinister um going off of that synopsis when I first kind of heard about this, I was definitely intrigued because it made me start to think, kind of like as this thing said, what if we had Superman, but instead of him, you know, being raised to be what Clark Kent was and being a good person wanting to save humanity, if they kind of realized that due to their power, they can do pretty much whatever they wanted. So I was on board for that. But I wasn't expecting to like this as much as I did. I think the concept is terrifying. And I like the idea, as I was saying, of taking a superhero and making him evil. The idea behind it is plausible with someone as powerful as Brandon, who is uh, Jackson A. Dunn. I think the acting is good around him and bringing this to life. I also thought he did a really solid job as well to look menacing. So that's not the easiest thing for a child to do sometimes, but I thought he you know, played it well. The film is paced solid, uh, builds tension, and the ending was really good. The effects were more brutal than I thought they were going to go, and I loved that. The sound design was pretty solid for sure. Overall, I would say this is a really good film, and I would recommend checking this out, especially if you like superhero films while also liking horror, because I think this is a pretty solid blend of that here. And my rating is an 8.5 out of 10. Alright, and for me, coming at number 18 is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. On Halloween 1968, reclusive Stella is Zoe Margaret Coletti and her two friends meet a mysterious drifter Ramon who is Michael Garza and uncover a sinister notebook of stories and I have to lead off here I'm a little bit biased because I grew up on this trilogy of books these were ones that in my schools growing up in elementary we would pretty much compete to whoever could check it out first once it got checked back in. And when I heard Guillermo del Toro was getting involved in bringing these to life, I was on board because he does so well in this fantasy type realm. 
and it actually got to the point where my sister actually purchased these i think when i was in junior high and i'm pretty sure she still has them somewhere at my parents house and I will say, I enjoyed this. I thought they did a good job in bringing these stories to life and meshing them together in a pretty dark backstory. Um, somebody also brought up the idea that this kind of almost feels like an anthology film without necessarily being one. And that's actually a pretty interesting way to look at it. Um, I thought the social commentary of the time period as well as the issues they're bringing up are something that we're still plaguing our country today. I know there's a bit of racism and there's also, you know, speaking out against war, which is definitely fitting that I'm recording this at this moment. Um, I do know Mr. Parka on the 22 Shots year-end show brought up that it doesn't necessarily feel like the 60s, and I will give him credit there. Thinking back on it, I do think he's onto something. Um, I thought despite the running time, it built necessary tension. Uh, the soundtrack also helped there thought the acting was solid i thought even that they went cgi heavy pretty much that it still looked good for me i only have some slight issues i do feel like this is a good film overall and for me just being a fan of the books and my nostalgia is probably helping me bump this up a bit i haven't rewatched this so i have a feeling it'll probably go down with another viewing at the moment though i'm at an 8.5 out of 10 and my number 17 is in the tall grass after hearing a young boy's cry for help, a sister and brother venture into a vast field of tall grass in Kansas, but soon discover there may be no way out, and that something evil lurks within. Now, I did a news story saying that this was coming out uh, in October, and I had made plans of seeing it, and then I also participated in the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror October Horror Movie Challenge, so that was one of the bonus watches, so I checked it out there. I should also say I'm a massive Stephen King fan. So seeing that he co-wrote the novella with his son, Joe Hill, also caught my eye. And again, I really enjoyed this. I thought they did some really interesting concepts here with alternate dimensions and time loops. Uh, both of things which tick boxes for me as I find them fascinating. And it's also interesting that Vincenzo Natale was the writer-director here because I also dig his film Cube. And I feel we get kind of things from that brought into here. And then going even farther, we get the darkness of humanity as characters reveal their true nature as things go on. Another thing that I really like. I thought the acting was really good and helps to bring this to life. I thought Patrick Wilson did an excellent job here. I thought the pacing and editing were solid. It is just a bit too long and focuses on some things that I don't necessarily feel like add too much to it, so I thought that could have been altered. Uh, there were a couple moments of bad CGI, but the effects on the whole were good. And I've also grew up in the country where I had cornfields around me, and I've been in them where they do get pretty disorienting uh, the farther you go into it. So the idea of this tall grass like this and there being you know, something supernatural going on definitely is kind of scary for me. I thought this was a really good movie, and I would definitely make sure that I'm going to check out the novella now as well. So my rating here is going to be an 8.5 out of 10. And then for me coming in at number 16 is Ready or Not. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. This is a fun one. I had heard that, but I like to check things out for myself and it didn't disappoint. I thought it had an interesting concept by taking a children's game and turn it deadly like we get here. The reason they're doing this, I liked, but how it plays out in the end, I'm going to be in the minority here. I wasn't the 
biggest fan of, but I do like the social commentary we are getting and how it is plausible that a family like this could get away with what they are for as long as they have. It is paced well. It built tension and it never got bored. I thought Samara Weaving, who stars in this, was excellent. I didn't mind Adam Brody. I thought he was fine. Uh, the rest of everybody else just kind of rounded out for what was needed. Uh, the effects were good. We get a blend of practical and CGI. I did like the hide-and-seek song that they're playing in the movie. It feels like 50s-ish, and that gave it a little added touch there. I'm not always the biggest fan of horror comedies, but this one did make me laugh, so I was on board there. And again, I thought this was good, and gave it an 8.5 out of 10. And number 15 is Haunt. On Halloween, a group of friends encounter an extreme haunted house that promises to feed on their darkest fears. The night turns deadly as they come to the horrifying realization that some nightmares are real. Uh, this is one that and Mr. Watson shared online in a group saying that we should get out and support it. And when I saw that this was showing at my local theater, uh, the Gateway Film Center, I decided that I would you know, give it a viewing on the big screen. The only thing I really knew was that he recommended it, the title, and a vague idea of the premise. But I'm glad that I came in the way that I had. I think this has a great premise of an extreme haunt on Halloween. That setting is great. And making a modern slasher inside of it, I thought works. Especially because you're a little bit more willing to ignore some of the things you're seeing, thinking that it is, you know, it's part of the act. I thought there was a little bit of good heart here, and the backstory makes some sense. I don't necessarily know if it plays out well in the end. Uh, it has a good running time, it built tension, and I never got bored. I thought the ending was intriguing, and I know I harped on another film for this, and I do think that my rating on this will actually come down with a second viewing because it is a little bit far-fetched. But they do play it off better here. thought the ending was fitting for what we got. I would have liked to see the effects go a little bit more practical, but I like what they did and the practical ones did work. The masks and the killers themselves look good. I had a lot of fun with this and would venture to say this could be a staple of my October viewings going forward. And I just thought this was a good movie. And as I said, I think my rating will probably come down with enough after a second viewing, but at the moment I'm sitting at an 8.5 out of 10. And number 14 for me is One Cut of the Dead. Things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low-budget zombie movie in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they're attacked by real zombies. And I have to admit, I heard Duncan over at Podcast Under the Stairs talk about this at the end of last year, and then I also heard Shockwaves bring it up. So I had this on my radar to check out for a while, so I will admit I had some expectations coming in since I respect their opinions. I caught this on a one night showing at the Gateway Film Center and after the first 30 minutes I was confused as to where this was going to go and from that point on I end up loving this. I think the found footage low budget zombie angle really works. It is a horror comedy which can be hit or miss but I thought this one did really well with it. We get a combination of situations and actors just being funny. I thought the acting was really good, even from the characters you're not supposed to like. I thought the effects were fitting for what they needed, as was the soundtrack. And I found this to be a good movie overall. I am being as cryptic as they were. Because if you haven't seen this, you definitely need to. And if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
and my rating here was an 8.5 out of 10. And coming in at number 13 is It Chapter 2. 27 years after their first encounter with the terrifying Pennywise, who is Bill Sarsgaard, the Losers Club have grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. Now, after seeing the first one, I really liked that and was gonna kind of predicate my idea on the overall story with how this one worked. And I think this does live up to the hype for what I wanted. I tried to avoid trailers as much as I could, so that helps me out. Thought the story was solid and flipping how it is edited from the original is fine, which is different because in the original miniseries they did it where the first half had the flashbacks where in this one is where we get them this time around which i do think works there's some social commentary here that i can get behind thought the acting was great across the board and despite its running time i never got bored i wanted it to be a bit bleaker but i thought the final showdown was fine the movie looked good and i would say that the effects were as well I would definitely recommend giving it a viewing. It didn't disappoint me. I know it did for some people, but much like the original, I thought this second half was weaker than the first. I would still call this good though, and this is my first 9 out of 10. And then at number 12 is The Lighthouse. Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. And this was on my radar as I was a fan of Robert Edgar's first film, The Witch. I liked it from the beginning, but it's one that has grown on me. The news of the two actors that were cast in this piqued my interest even more. And I had heard things about it, including an interview of Eggers himself on the Shockwaves podcast. That was a clincher to my plans to check it out the night that I did, as I've only seen this once, but I did get to catch it at the Gateway Film Center on the big screen. This is definitely one hard to classify. We really have a buddy story with these two guys who are isolated on an island with the lighthouse. Thomas Wake, who is William Defoe, is out to exert his dominance, and Ephraim is how he's known in the beginning of it. Robert Pattinson wants to just work his time and get paid. Both have secrets that are hidden, and the isolation drives them mad. It does become kind of a fever dream where you don't know what is real and what's not, and I love that. I thought the acting was amazing from both leads. The effects that we get are as well. It is out of the ordinary, and since this whole film is like that, it works. The soundtrack had some really good sounds to it, and some that were just making me feel uncomfortable. And there's this horn that is used periodically that almost becomes just something we get used to and don't notice it anymore. Overall, I thought this was really good. I need to see another viewing, though, to pick up on anything I might have missed, much like I did with The Witch. I would recommend this especially if you're into art house films or non-traditional horror movies. And at the moment I'm at a 9 out of 10, it could possibly come up though with another viewing. And coming in at number 11, just missing the top 10 for me, is In Fabric. This is a haunting ghost story set against the backdrop of a busy winter sales period in a department store and follows the life of a cursed dress as it passes from person to person with devastating consequences. Uh, this is another one I heard on podcast before. It actually got released over here, because I do know this is from the United Kingdom. I believe Duncan had talked about this. From what I heard, it was about a cursed dress, and that sparked my interest to see how this could play out. And this is another one that the Gateway Film Center got that I got to catch there. This didn't disappoint me personally. There's just some interesting concepts, and I just like how it plays out. I thought the acting really helps as well seeing how this cursed dress affects their lives 
and just kind of ruins everything that they have but even farther is none of these people actually have everything you know in line which is you know kind of like real life but seeing what it does to ruin what little existence they have is you know definitely for me depressing i do think it runs a bit long and that could have been trimmed the fate of the characters worked for me there aren't a lot in the way of effects but we get some good things from the soundtrack that help make this feel unnerving this is another art house film so if that's an issue definitely avoid this if not i think there's a brilliant horror film and one that i want to see for a second time just to see how that would affect me um, this is another one that I would actually recommend to non-fans who like artsy movies to see what they would say about it. And this is another one that I'm coming in with a 9 out of 10. And then to get into the top 10, what I'm going to do is send you to the trailer for the movie that I have at that spot. में जो खजाना है वो तो अपना होगा ना सरकार पूरी जिंदगी ढूंढता रहा कुछ नहीं मिला उसे और उस पुड़िया का क्या खजाने के बारे में वो कुछ ना कुछ तो जरूर जानती होगी All right, and coming in at number 10 for me is Tumbad, a mythological story about a goddess who created the entire universe. The plot revolves around the consequences of humans building a temple for her firstborn. Uh, this is one I did a mini review on recently and i caught very late in the year and as you can tell i really liked it as it jumped all the way up to number 10 for me i'm a big fan of mythology and i like that we learn more about this culture that i don't know a whole lot about 
I'm also a fan of allegories as well as cautionary tales, which we get here with the greed aspect. It is really fitting as an American to see this play out because this is a different country, but it's interesting to see that similar things that we deal with here are also there. I like how things played out. It is paced more of a slow burn, but I tend to like movies like that a lot. That's not to say that we don't get a lot of creepy things or action in general, because we do. I thought the acting was good. The effects were a little bit hit or miss for me, but it is shot beautifully. There's just some issues I had with a creature that we get to see at the end. The soundtrack isn't necessarily something that I would listen to, but I like how it works here, giving us backstory. So I will warn you, this is from India, so I had to watch it with subtitles on. I feel this is a really good movie, and if you haven't seen it and you can get you know, around some of the things that I said that can be an issue, I would highly recommend this, and I know other people who have seen this have spoke highly of it, which is how I end up checking it out, and I had to come in with a 9 out of 10 year. So let me get you over to the trailer for my number 9 film. When I was a kid, there was a place. A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that live there. They come back. Not many ride the bus this far north. You're running away from something. For myself, I guess. Hi. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the shining. The world is a hungry place. A dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These empty devils, they'll eat what shines. And they noticed that little girl. Wow, hi there. Get out of my head, get out! I haven't felt power like that in so long. They're coming. There's a place. You sure you want to do this? I'm ready. Yes, you run, dear. And then I will find you. And you will scream for years. And then at number 9 we have Dr. Sleep. Years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance, who is Ewan McGregor, must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Now I should lead off here, I did a featured review of this, I believe on my second episode, uh, definitely one of the more early ones. 
and I was nervous to see how this was all going to play out because I love the original, The Shining. I also enjoy the novel from Stephen King, and I even like the Stephen King novel of Dr. Sleep. I can say that this didn't disappoint. This sucked me in from the get-go, and I think Mike Flanagan, who wrote and directed this, knocked it out of the park again. He did a great job of combining the film with both Stephen King materials. There's some good social commentary of real life issues and blends it well with the supernatural. Seeing how the trauma changes people is interesting and I think that the acting helps bring this all to life. And I do have to commend McGregor as well as Rebecca Ferguson who plays Rose the Hat. And I also should shout out Kylie Kieran who plays Abra Stone who is the girl with the powers similar to Danny Torrance. Despite its long run time, it didn't feel like it to me, and I feel that it was warranted for everything that needed to be fleshed out. The effects were good, and the soundtrack was amazing. I like incorporating things that we got from the original film here. There were just a few things that were off for me, but nothing that ruins it or anything like that. I think this is a great film, and would highly recommend if you didn't get a chance to check it out, and I came in with a 9 out of 10 here as well. And then on to the trailer for the eighth film on my list. Laisse-moi venir chez toi. Anne, c'est terminé. J'ai le cœur sac de toi. Vous savez quand on s'oublie avec l'autre, les autres, qu'on sait plus où on est, une forme d'amour en quelque sorte. a été poignardé, une mort particulièrement violente. Carl venait de tourner dans un de mes films. Quel genre de film exactement Oh, arrêtez votre charme. Faites pas le coup des types qui sont pas renseignés. T'es un super beau mec, tu sais. Vous faites quoi Je suis productrice de films érotiques. La seule chose, c'est que parfois on manque de filles, alors on fait ça entre mecs. Tu appelles-moi demain matin Détective Rachid, j'écoute. Je crois que je vais changer le titre du film. Le tueur au mot, vous en dites quoi Tu me trompes ou tout ça te fait ni chaud ni froid ah Alors comme ça, vous n'avez aucune piste Vous attendez que tous mes acteurs crèvent pour vous mettre au boulot Personne ne veut tourner avec nous, ils sont tous terrifiés. Il y a bien un indice. Près des deux premiers cadavres, on a retrouvé des plumes du même oiseau. attentive à tes rêves. Ils sont là pour t'aider. C'est cet amour qui est trop pour moi. Ça me rend dingue, tu comprends eight is knife plus heart this is one yet again that i caught here late in december and was one of my featured reviews on a past episode and we have paris summer 1979 Anne is a producer of cheap gay porn she is vanessa paradis when lois 
who is Kate Moran. Her editor and companion leaves her. She attempts to get her back by making a more ambitious film, Flamboyant Archibald, who is Nicholas Mari. As I said, this is one that um, some of my buddies on social media were raving about. So it was on my radar already, but I moved it up to check it out and I can definitely see the high praise and that is definitely warranted. This is actually what I would consider and many others seem to as well as a Neo Giallo film as it comes from France and Mexico. I know for purists that makes it not a gialli, but after seeing this, I don't really know how else to describe it as I guess you could also kind of call it a slasher film. I'm glad that I didn't sleep on this any longer than I did. I think it's beautiful looking. It's a taboo subject that is socially relevant now and placing it back in the time period that it did, I think works. The acting is solid across the board, with Paradis doing a really great job as our lead. She's such a broken character, and it helped, you know, to try to see as she's trying to put her life back together with the tragedy going around her. I thought the look of the killer was great. The kills were solid. I think this is a mystery that I didn't find predictable. The soundtrack fit for what was needed, and I really dug that overall. I will say that if you have issues with homosexuality, I don't think you'll enjoy this as we see a bit of that on the screen and that is the crux of the story but if you're an adult and can enjoy films with art house flair i would definitely give this a viewing especially for fans of giallo films and i had to come in with a nine out of ten here so let me go ahead and kick you over to the trailer for my number seven film of the year Du musst wissen, meine Freundin hat eine ganz besondere Begabung. Wie hast du das Talent für mich? All right, and my number seven film is Luz. Luz is Luana Veliz, a young cab driver who drags herself into the brightly lit entrance of a rundown police station. A dynamic entity follows her, determined to finally be close to the woman it loves. Now, I remember hearing this as it was making its festival rounds, so I was pretty excited when the Gateway Film Center had showings for it as I caught it on one of the first ones that they had. And I'm glad that I finally got to see it at that time. It's an interesting story that doesn't have a lot of moving parts, but it definitely takes up the whole running time with no filler. It isn't a long film, and I could have asked for more there if I actually, if they had more that they could have fleshed out. The acting really drives this. No one really blew me away, but I wouldn't be surprised if they all had theater backgrounds with how this feels. There's not a lot in the way of effects, but what we got were good. The soundtrack is used masterfully and is one of my favorite aspects between the use of sound effects and music alike. And this one just sucked me in and I was along for the ride. I will warn you that this is from Germany and the dialogue is solely in German or Spanish. So I had to watch it with subtitles. If that's not an issue, I would give this a viewing as I thought this was a really good film with a gritty feel and I gave this one another nine out of 10. 
Alright, so let's now go to the trailer for my number six film. So, how would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. That's our mom's hat. Oh, I'm sorry. You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea, and it took a couple days. I can do a couple days. Okay, guys, I'm off. Have fun. What is that? It's Christ. Everyone committed suicide except for her. Repent, and you will find salvation. Guys! Things are very uncomfortable between us, and we're stuck in a house together. number six film is one that only people that have caught it have seen it at film festivals but since this is just going to be my list my number six is the lodge a soon-to-be stepmom is snowed in with her fiance's two children at a remote holiday village just as relations begin to thaw between the trio some strange and frightening events take place um, I got to check this out at the Nightmares Film Festival. It was on my radar from earlier in the year and then was bummed to hear that this got pushed back because this is a film that I am going to just go ahead and play my hand already. I highly recommend. This one lived up to my expectations. It's a haunting film of loss and I really like how they incorporate that this could be supernatural or that it could not be. It is done in a way that it doesn't feel like a cheat as well. As we get little hints along the way, the pacing works to build tension and I love how everything ended. The acting is great across the board. A big shout out to Riley Keough, who stars in this. And I also have to give credit to Jaden Martell, who is most recently seen in both It movies, as well as his little sister in this movie is Leah McHugh, who were with these three for a good portion of it. There's not a lot of wave effects, but it doesn't necessarily need them. It's shot well, and the soundtrack fit for what was needed and definitely makes it unnerving at a lot of it. 
overall this is a really good movie and it stuck with me after seeing it um this is very bleak just so you are you know warned and quite depressing and i would actually recommend this to horror and non-horror fans alike and just for you just so you're aware this is slated to come out february 7th of this year as well and my rating on this was a 9 out of 10. So let's go ahead and kick you over to the trailer for the fifth film on my list. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. School! What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. What do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. fifth film is Midsommar. A couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Um, there was a lot of interest for me to check this out. Writer-director Ari Aster's first film, Hereditary, was my favorite uh, from a previous year, and I was intrigued to see how he would follow that up. I did catch part of trailers as I try to avoid them for the most part, but because I'm going to check out any horror film in the theater as I can. And I've actually seen this one twice. With the first time was on opening night, and then I went and saw it again when the director's cut came out. As I do think this is a step down from Hereditary, I don't mean that as a slight in the least bit. I love the idea of the cult that we have in this and what happens to the Americans as they go there. It is kind of more of a breakup film, as we have two characters that shouldn't be together. They're just almost there out of convenience. Danny, who is Florence Pugh, really feels alone and looking for family. And her performance is just absolutely amazing. 
The aspect that also is scary is that's the fear of cults for me. The deeper story here is great. I think that the acting brings us to life. And even though this is a slow burn, and I've heard a lot of people say it's boring, I personally felt that it builds tension towards the realization of what's going to happen eventually. There aren't a lot in the way of effects, but what we get are really good. The score of the film really enhances the scene. And what makes it even scarier is that a majority of this is just all in the daylight, where it's supposed to be a time that we feel safe. I just found this to be a really good movie. And having seen it twice now, I don't know if this can go up any more for me. Because I have this at a 9.5 out of 10. But I do think that this is still a great film from Aster. And looking forward to see what he does after this now. And let's go ahead and knock over to the trailer for the fourth film on my list here. It's common for people to see things that aren't real. seen things like this before. I had an imaginary friend when I was a kid. His name was Daniel. He was my best friend. He was my only friend. It's kind of a strange notion, but maybe you should try to connect with that part of yourself again. You needed my help. You need to break out and live. I bet you can get a phone number from any girl at this party. You're a painter. You're an artist too, Luke. I do photography sometimes. I'm here because you're here. I'm part of you. What's that thing uh, behind me? Your shadow. I saw something full of danger. Mystery. simply an aspect of your mind. I'm scared of what I could do. When you painted me, you saw a shadow. What did he look like? He's weak. He's lonely. And he's nothing without me. My number four film is Daniel Isn't Real, a troubled college freshman, Luke, who is played by Miles Robbins, suffers a violent family trauma. He then resurrects his charismatic childhood imaginary friend, Daniel, who is Patrick Schwarzenegger, to help him cope, not realizing how dangerous Daniel is. Uh, this is a film that I'd heard about and was anticipating when I wrote an article about it as it was making its festival run. I got to check this out as it was playing at the Nightmares Film Festival for its Ohio premiere as it kicked off the second day that I was in attendance. This has a concept that I really, really like, and to be honest, I love this movie. It tackles an idea of that I see in films that can sometimes make or break it for me. I think this is handled very well and it sucked me in. I like the idea of incorporating the supernatural along with mental illness as it is something we don't fully understand and is quite terrifying when people aren't treated properly. The acting in this I thought was really good. 
it is paced in a way that kept me interested and it was good in building the story along with attention to a fitting ending. The soundtrack also worked for me and it helped to set the mood for the scenes. I also have to commend the actors for ignoring Daniel as well as Luke who is trying to listen to both at the same time. I thought that all worked for me and I loved how this film played out. It is definitely one of the best that I've seen this year for sure and would highly recommend to everybody. And this is my first 10 out of 10 on the list. And now I will send you to the trailer for my fourth film on my list here for year end. Nikki's pushing me to drop your pieces. I'm going broke. I can't live off of nothing. And I can't live off 10% of nothing. I haven't finished painting in three months. Try this. The closest thing they got to a pure, uncut mix of cocaine and DMT. third film I have Bliss a brilliant painter facing the worst creative block of her life turns to anything that she can do to complete her masterpiece spiraling into a hallucinatory hellscape of drugs sex and murder in the sleazy underbelly of Los Angeles this is another film from Joe Bigos and it also has Dora Madison who I talked about a little bit earlier I had saw the poster for this and didn't really know anything about it but the person who does the programming at the gateway film center spoke highly of this and when it was showing there i made sure to catch it and i have to say this blew me away this is definitely a cautionary tale of drug use and losing control what we see in the movie i felt was a good representation of going too far from personal experience i like that we build to a supernatural aspect which is also interesting because the character is doing drugs to get over her block of painting and she doesn't know if what she's seeing is real or not I like the acting from Madison. I thought she was really good and brought this character to life. The rest of the cast rounded out for what they needed. It is paced in a way where it never got boring. It jumps right in, and with a runtime of 80 minutes, it doesn't overstay its welcome. The effects were really good, and the soundtrack fit for what was needed, and at moments, definitely enhanced the scenes, especially when she is, you know, hallucinating. I'll admit, I love this film, 
and I found this to be absolutely amazing and I have another 10 out of 10 here and I'm gonna go ahead and send us to the trailer for the number two film on my list Había una vez un príncipe que quería ser tigre. Los tigres no tienen miedo. Los deseos, como en los cuentos. Two film on my list is Tigers Are Not Afraid, a dark fairy tale about a gang of five children trying to survive the horrific violence of the cartels and the ghosts created every day by the drug war. I remember hearing about this in the previous year when it was making its festival rounds and everybody was talking highly of it. So when this finally came to Shudder, I saw it there and it also showed at the Gateway Film Center, so I got to see it on the big screen as well. I came in pretty high expectations and heard so many people talking about how good it was that I tried not to let that affect me, but I have to say I ended up loving this movie. It is such a haunting story of these children trying to make their way in a scary place to grow up. They really don't have a safe place and this gang is quite scary and it is no way for to grow up for children. As it said earlier, it's a dark fairy tale and that was a good aspect to this movie. And it's quite bleak as well. I believe the acting of the children is great. There's a low running time, so it never gets boring or wastes any time. 
This is a rare case where the CGI looked great and I was blown away by it. There's also good practical effects. The sound design was good and fit for what was needed. And it was utilized amazing in the final sequence. I would highly recommend this for horror and non-horror fans alike. I will warn you, this is from Mexico, so it was subtitled. If that's an issue, I would say you're missing out, but just keep that in mind. And yet again, another 10 out of 10 for me. And without any further ado, let me send you to the final trailer for the film that I considered to be the best horror film of 2019. That's a classic right there. What does I got fun want it mean? It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Can't believe how big Dave got. You hear Gabe got a boat? <laughs> He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scared of a family? Uh, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. What are you people? It's us. They look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. Or we kill them. Number one horror film, if you couldn't tell from the trailer, is Jordan Peele's Us. A family serene beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. Now, I've heard a lot of horror fans were divided on this. I took a bit of time after seeing it to process it when writing this the first time and then watched it again just recently with my girlfriend and revised my original review of it. And I can say, I'm normally a guy who doesn't like things force-fed to me, so I love a film like this where you have such deep dive references in order to get things. The social commentary here is great. I thought the acting as as well, especially from Lupita as well as Winston Duke, who is her husband here. Now, I did a mini review of this on my last episode, I believe, so I won't go too much into this. I think 
what I've said there in the film itself speaks for, you know, everything that I needed to say. Any issues I had on my first viewing went away. And after seeing this, I just realized how great this is. The score and the effects are really good. And I just think overall, this is a great film. And Jordan Peele, two out of twos, I thought Get Out and Us are both great horror films, as well as films that can be enjoyed by fans of the genre or not fans of the genre. And on top of that as well, this is how you do proper social commentary where you can read it or you can just enjoy the film itself. And if you couldn't tell, I have a 10 out of 10 here as well. Now, I would normally send you to one last musical break before closing out the show, but since this is already over three hours long, I figure I'll just go ahead and end it here and kind of do my outro, which is thank you once again for coming on this journey with me. Any of you that listened all the way through, thank you so much for you know taking that much time out of your day to listen to me. If you want to follow me on social media, you can email me at journeywithacinephile at gmail.com. If you want to check out any of my written reviews for any of these films here or any of the other ones that I have seen, you can do that at Reviews of the Dead, which is horrorreview.webnode.com. That link will be in the show notes. On Facebook, David Michigan Garrett Jr. Twitter, Buckeye from Mish. Letterboxd, I'm David OSU. On Instagram, I'm David OSU87. Flickchat, uh, we had a little bit of conversation going over there recently. So if you want to join that and join in with the convos, it is Journey with a Cinephile. Other than that, I will have any other important information as well as the time codes and whatnot in the show notes. And once again, thank you for listening. This is David Garrett Jr. signing off.